Hi, everybody. Welcome to tonight's program with Coach Menachem Berfel. Thank you for joining us on this beautiful New Year's Eve. Instead of being in Times Square tonight, you're here with us in our warm Zoom so we can get all warm together, learn something, some education. And we're going to end off the year 2023 with some uh, paradox psychology with Dr. Elliot Kaplan. And hopefully by the end of the night, you'll be drunk. Same thing as being in Times Square, so we'll be good. <laughs> we'll be equal. So again, we start off first uh, thanking all our people for joining us for the past four years and letting people know about it and reviewing it and for posting it all the WhatsApps on the WhatsApp statuses, emailing it to friends and colleagues and people, and we all try to grow together. Somebody texted me the Shana Tova, right? It's not New Year, it's Rosh Hashanah, right? No, no, we got it, we got it. Somebody's clarifying to me. Thank you. I didn't know that it was that it wasn't Rosh Hashanah. Thank you. Um and um thank you for posting and let people know and join. Oh. And if anybody wants to join our WhatsApp statuses uh, to get the, the information, please text me at WhatsApp me at 848-525-0066 or go to menachembarifal.com. You can sign up every Sunday for his flyer, <clears throat> the information, and for um, all the information that's regarding Coach Menachem. So thank you for joining us. For all the people that are watching the replay of this on YouTube, you can click on the subscribe button or the like button so that you get to see when you subscribe every week with Menachem. Every week when Menachem um, uploads the videos, you could watch them as they come out. Usually it's Monday early morning after we've done the program. So please uh, sign up. Again, I want to thank all the advertising sponsors that promote us, the Lakewood Scoop here in Lakewood, Ellie and Ariel from Five Town Central, and Chayla Kaufman from JCN, from the Jewish Contact Network, for promoting it on all the Jewish digital platforms. So again, anybody's here the first time, every Sunday at 9.30 on the Zoom ID, we have different topics, we have different therapists, different Rabbonim, different dynamic people that try to bring across their points and knowledge and to help us open our minds to new concepts, new ideas. And uh, it seems interesting that we're ending the year with uh, Dr. Elliot, just interesting because um, it's going to be something different and hopefully we'll gain from it and let's see what he has to say. So we're very excited. Shem, the first year of 2024 is going to have with Rabbi Daniel Gladstein, who's a brilliant Hamachachim. I think he has the most Shia on Torah anytime he speaks on basically any topic any and every topic, so he's amazing, mm -hmm. and um, we're going to discuss a little bit. He just came out with a new book about uh, the Holy Tana Rameh Balanes, and he's trying to bring out from the book. Um, we're going to title it The Worldwide View of the Holy Tana Rameh Balanes and Hashem's Infinite Love for the Jewish People in Today's Day and Age. So it should be a very deep and powerful program. Please join us, Rabbi Daniel Glastin. He's, he's unbelievable, and um, it should definitely be something very interesting. Tonight, we have the schus and the honor of having world-famous therapist. Speaker Dr. Elliot Kaplan, PhD, who uh, saved many relationships, dealt with some difficult clients over the years, and definitely has a reputation in the therapeutic circles of being a little bit out of the box. So um, I got I got a few messages that he's definitely out of the box, and his <laughs> methods are a little bit different. And uh, you know, we've done Dr. Elliot, we've done already four years of different therapeutic topics, and you know, a lot of them were repetitive. But uh, we need sometimes a new flavor, you know what I mean? So uh, hopefully it'll be that new flavor. So first we're going to start off with our CEO, coach, coach's best friend. He's he's with Coach Menachem because I'm not around. He usually comes to me because he likes me better, but I happen not to be around. I'm traveling, so he's going to, uh, you know, he's going to the other team right now. So Coach Arnoyach Fried, he found tonight's topic to be very hard to give a gematria, but with Hashem's help, with God's help, he came up with a beautiful numeric gematria for the shear. And let's see if it fits in. Arnoyach, take it away. Zoom share 169, Paradox Psychology, world's most controversial therapy for the most difficult clients. 
You're dealing with difficult clients. You need a lot of wisdom and understanding. The wisdom and understanding. Beautiful. Thank you. Hopefully that uh, we'll find out if it's Chachman Bina. Okay, Coach Menachem, open it up. Why are we here tonight? New Year's Eve at uh, 9.40 p.m. on Eastern Time to sit here with Dr. Eli. What are we trying to gain? What's the topic? Let's go. Bring it out. beautiful Yeah. So welcome, everyone, to another Let's Get Real with Coach Menachem. And tonight, we see after the Shmaya, 160, what, what, 68 or 69? 169. 169, Baruch Hashem. And like we heard, it's going to be a little bit different. So thank you for that. And the recordings are always available for those who didn't hear it. I just want to mention one other thing on that topic. Mordechai is actually writing a book, and it's coming out hopefully in the next few months. And when the book comes out, he wants to. He said he wants to come back and really just go to the next level. With, with he's always, always yeah. welcome back. Yeah. <laughs> so, so yes, like we heard, we're doing this almost four years, and a lot of different concepts, ideas that many of us sitting here almost every Sunday night picked up. But there are there are those who sometimes feel that they have a certain situation in their life. Sometimes they might go to therapy or not, but they feel that they're just stuck. It's not happening. They're trying different modalities, different things. They might sit with a therapist for many, maybe many years, but they they feel like it's not it's not getting them the place where they want to be. The truth is we live in a, in a in a generation where there's a lot of information. We have information on our fingertips. And most people think they know. You know, you bring up any discussion, they know about it, they can talk about it, they can discuss it. But when it comes to actual work, to something they have to implement in their own life, sometimes it doesn't go in. It doesn't, they're not connected to it. They stay who they are. They can talk about it. They might be able to help somebody else. But when it's personal about themselves, information doesn't really work. Talking about relationships, <clears throat> struggling with relationships, the information might not work. So it takes something else, something more than just knowing the steps, knowing the concepts, going to therapy and discussing the concept. It does take, it does take work. And a lot of introspection, sitting there and trying to understand why do I feel the way, you know, why don't I want different, what do I want different. The little, the little bit that I know about paradox psychology is that there are people, some people come out, you know, very fast, they're, they're moved and it works and they, they love it. Other people walk out of the room very confused. And I think I think that's the idea that we will be discussing tonight is that we want to understand everything. You know, you sit in front of the therapist, you want to understand why he's doing what he's doing, what are you talking about, what why are you telling me this, how is it going to work, what method are you, you going to use? We're trying to use our, our way of thinking to understand what you're trying to say and then see if it's going to make a difference. But sometimes 
You have to go to a place where you have never been. You have to feel yourself where you're not even sure what you're feeling. And then you become a little bit confused. And what I would say is, if you're confused, that means it's working. So hopefully tonight, we have Dr. Elliot Kaplan, with a lot of Siyat Deshmaya, um, to bring into the room a little bit of the wisdom, the things that he uses in his therapy room, and how he's helped many, Amitz Hashem. So uh, it, we should be able to use this for ourselves, wherever we are, Amitz Hashem. Beautiful opening. Okay, let's get into it. So here we go. Um, tonight's share, we title it Paradox Psychology, the World's Most Controversial Therapy for Treating the Difficult Client. That's what it's titled. And I'm going to read Dr. Elliot's uh, bio. Dr. Elliot Kaplan, PhD, is the author of Paradox Psychology. It's not what you think. And Amazon Books and the founder of the Asylum for the Paradox Psychologist. Psychology. Although popular during the 1970s, the approach was often confused with its evil twin reverse psychology, the method tends to use humor to quickly disarm habitual defenses. It is effective with addictions, BPD, OCD, and couple and family therapy. Interventions include prescribing the symptoms, positive reframing, and symptom exaggeration. While noted for its success, its underlying mechanism has always been considered a mystery until now. So, <laughs> <laughs> Dr. Elliot, please, we're all here. We want to hear... How many years are you doing this, first of all, before we even go started? I think about since I was five. You know, I think that's, that, that, you that's were what, born naturally paradoxical. That's, that, that's when most therapists start, by the way. You know, that at five years old, you figure out how to deal with your parents. And, you know, you do a little of this to mom and a little of this to dad. And then you say, at a certain point, you say, oh, I, I can do this for a living. And uh, <laughs> Okay, so please open it up. You know, as you know, we have a lot of questions people are going to ask you. So the floor is yours. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, uh, so the first thing I want to mention is that you know, in in, in uh, coming up with the title, initially I sent uh, Usher um, that it's the the most controversial therapy, and I said, uh, you know, it sounds it could sound even a little bit more interesting. I I, I sent him an email an email to say, uh, why don't we call it the world's most dangerous therapy? Um, he didn't like that. He sent that back. He didn't he didn't want me to put that, and he didn't like the word dangerous. And then I sent him back, well, maybe we could say uh, it's a therapy about nothing. And uh, he didn't like that either. He said, let's just keep it what it is. Let's just keep it what it is. So, um, so I, I think most people, you know, like I'm sure most people listening to this, you know, you've watched a lot of therapy um, 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 programs, podcasts. I mean, let's be honest. What, what am I going to say that you probably haven't heard? Okay, so uh, I'm sure that, you know, you're kind of waiting, you know, he's going to say something, but I've probably heard of it before, and, and everybody's going to plug it in to what they're comfortable with. So if you're a CBT guy, you're going to plug it into CBT and see how it works with that, and if you're, if you're a behavioral person, you're going to do, you'll, you'll make it into a behavioral intervention. Uh, you're psychodynamic, you're going to figure it out how, how it might be psychodynamic. Um, but uh, the bottom line is that um, that the paradox interventions, as Asha mentioned, were were very popular in the '60s and '70s with the master therapists. With uh, we're talking about uh, Milton Erickson, um, Fritz Perls, Virginia Satir, uh, Sal Mnuchin, 
and uh, and of course they videoed these sessions that they were having because you would you would literally see see people change in front of your eyes. And and watching those videos, you think, okay, now we have it on video. We're just gonna you know like deconstruct it and figure out what's happening, and you know, and then we'll know exactly what's going on, so we could teach it. The problem was is that even though they had it on video, they couldn't figure out what was happening. It, it just it didn't seem to make any sense what was happening. Um, as we're going to discuss, one of the main issues is that uh, that in in psychology, our training in school, in in how we talk about psychology, everything is focused on changing behavior, 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 behavior. How we're going to change behavior, behavior, behavior. And ultimately, the reality is, yeah, okay, you want to change behavior. But what's a little different about paradox is that, as strange as it sounds, I don't care about behavior. That's not my focus. I talk about behavior. I will talk to the client about behavior, what's going on, what's bothering them. But really, my interest is in helping the client with a new sense of attachment, a new sense of the alliance. The focus of paradox is purely, purely on strengthening the therapeutic alliance. And it turns out that when the therapeutic alliance is strengthened, that in and of itself will shift the behavior. So in thinking about, you know, in, in terms of, of, of how I'm presenting, when I'm presenting, basically you, you want to, people are different. You know, like a dog you can give uh, a reward to, your dog can give a cookie, uh, and he's happy. You know, and he'll, he'll, he'll roll over, he'll do whatever you want. Um, you know, it, it turns out that, that certain animals, I, I think the research has found that ravens actually are very intelligent and they can figure out, that if uh, uh, if there are ants under uh, um, a space that they can't get into, they'll get a stick and they'll put the stick under the space and they'll get the ants out and then they can eat it. Um, but people, you know, we, we try to we try to use those concepts and plug them into people, and sometimes they work and sometimes they don't. So the issue with so so how is man different? How is man different? It turns out that we as people are paradoxical. Our very nature, every single person is paradoxical. What does that mean? What that means is that we all have a finite body. We all have this physical finite body. And yet we have infinite potential. So generally, therapy focuses on the finite. In other words, how am I going to change uh, that person's finite behavior? Uh, even in terms of their thinking, how am I going to get them to think differently? Um, in paradox, my focus is on what I view as the infinite. And the infinite refers to the ability to join with that person. There's no limit in, in terms of the depth of how, I, how well I can join with the person. If you're working on behavior, the nature of the physical body can only change so much. Uh, even a person's thinking can only uh, conceptualize only so much. 
Uh, with paradox, because I'm working on the infinite, the change, as strange as it sounds, the change actually happens without the person thinking to themselves, oh, I'm going to change right now. I'm going to do A, B, C, and D, and then I'm going to change. No, no, no. It doesn't happen that way in paradox. Um, so uh, it's... Um, it's a very exciting approach. If you if you ever if you watch videos, you, you can you can watch videos of uh, of uh, Virginia Satir, Salmanuchin. It turns out, by the way, that Carl Rogers, although he's never billed as a paradoxical therapist, Carl Rogers is very paradoxical. If you ever watch Carl Rogers, I, I remember when I was in school and and we got introduced, you know, to the different therapists and they they showed us Carl Rogers. And what does Carl Rogers do? He sits in front of the client and the client says something and he basically repeats it back, right? And the client would say something again. And he's, and I, so it sounds like you're feeling like this. Carl Rogers never says, oh, think of it this way. Why don't you look at it this way? Maybe, maybe if you consider it in another way, another way of looking at it, maybe, maybe, maybe you'll, you'll see your situation differently. He never goes there. And uh, it turns out that Carl Rogers is actually probably the original uh, paradoxical therapist. So, um, so when working with clients, like I say, I, I, I don't tell them to change. And very often they change on their own. Now, in trying to plug in what I do, the, the quickest thing, that you, I'll give you an example in a second. The, the quickest thing you're going to say, ah, oh, that's reverse psychology. I got it. You're telling the client to do one thing, but really, 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 you as the therapist want him to do something else. The problem with that, the problem with reverse psychology is, first of all, master therapists are never going to use reverse psychology because they're never going to manipulate a client and say that they're working with a client and manipulating anybody because master therapists don't do that. That's not what, what master therapists do. So the and we'll come back to this later because I'm gonna, a lot of what I'm going to say is is kind of uh, new, so I'll have to explain it a little, <laughs> maybe in different words later. But in terms of reverse psychology, reverse psychology ultimately is focused on changing behavior. And if you're going to tell the client, oh, you know, I want you to do X, Y, and Z, but really, really, I want you to do the opposite. And that means that my agenda, my personal agenda, is that I'm trying to get the client to do something that is manipulative, that maybe they wouldn't want to do that on their own. In paradox, when I give a client an assignment, I'm not saying it because I'm trying to manipulate them. I'm saying it because this is what you do. This is, the, this is how you react. This is, uh, you know how you relate to your mom, uh, how you relate to uh, in your relationships. And maybe the first time you did it, it was, um, uh, it was a new thing to do. But when you do something over and over and over again, a habitual behavior, eventually it becomes predictable. And very often people get stuck in their predictable responses. They get stuck in predictable emotions, predictable behaviors, predict predictable thoughts. Um, and, uh, they tried very, very hard <clears throat> to, to get out of, of, of these predictable behaviors. And, and the analogy I have, um, 
is that generally people assume, and it's not even a, we don't even question this. We don't even question this assumption in therapy anymore. We assume that therapy means that we're going to push the car up the hill. Okay, we're going to push and we're going to push, we're going to push. And eventually the hope is we're going to get to the top of the hill and we're going to be feeling better. And now our life is going to change because we got to the top of the hill. The only problem with that is that, as you can imagine, it takes time and effort to get to the, to push the car to the top of the hill. And there are people in therapy that they do, they do push, they do push the car and they might push a week, they might push two weeks, they might push a month, they might even push two months. But inevitably, as people are pushing and struggling to change their behavior, there comes a point where, you know what? I've been struggling for two months. I just want to relax, five minutes. What's the big deal? Five minutes, I'm going to get myself a Coca-Cola. I'm going to sit down under the shade. I'm going to relax five minutes, and then I'm going to go back to pushing. As you're under the tree, enjoying your Coca-Cola, what's the car doing? The cars are starting to roll back. And not only is it starting to roll back, it's starting to get momentum rolling back. So even if you ran back to try to get it to stop, very often the car has so much momentum that now it's really rolling down the hill. It crashes into what's ever on the bottom of the hill. And to tell you the truth, everybody feels bad. The client feels bad because, you know, I was trying, I was trying so hard and it didn't work. And to be quite honest, the therapist feels bad, you know, like, oh, you were trying so hard. If you would just try a little bit more, another week, another two weeks, you know, you would have gotten to the top of the mountain uh, and you would have been a different person. So the bottom line is everybody is kind of upset because, and now, and now we basically start all over. Now we're going to start pushing the car up the hill. In my view, in paradox, you know, when people have high tension, high tension, high tension means that you're at the top of the mountain already. Okay, so if you think of water, right, if water runs down the mountain, and it's not, the water is not making an effort to run down the mountain. And the car, if I do my job right, then I start pushing the car toward the side of the hill. And the car starts to roll. And at that point, okay, client, jump into the driver's seat. And now you have the steering wheel. And now you can even set you put your foot on the brake. Obviously, you don't want the car to, to just rush down the hill. You don't want the car to speed down the hill because that's not helpful either. But as the client, if you get a sense, now you can control how fast you're going to go down that hill, how fast you're going to move toward a more relaxed state. So if you feel, if you client feel that you're going too fast, you put your foot on the brake, right? But you didn't go backwards. You're not, you're not going to go backwards. You're always going to go forwards. And you can, you can go around where if there's a, if there's a, an obstacle, you can drive around the obstacle. But what the, what it alludes to, and again, this is kind of a, red, a radical thing to say, is that in doing paradox, change is easy. Okay, I'm going to say that again. That change happens easily. It's not work. Because I, because I know that if the client is working to change, and that means that they're pushing the car up the hill, they're trying to do something that, that they may or may not be able to do. 
And to be quite honest, I, I tell this to people, I tell this to people that I train, I as a therapist, I don't work either. <laughs> I'm not working, <laughs> right? Because I simply join the client, I simply attach to the client, I simply um, uh, join them in what they're doing. Uh, my job is to simply make them realize that they're bigger than they think. You know, people come in, the client has a certain ego. They have a certain image of this is who I think I am. And this is how I have to react. And my wife said this, and my mother said this, and I have to react back and forth. Uh, but really, because we're infinite, we have infinite potential. Uh, there are so many more things we can do than our, our, our habitual behaviors. So let me give you an example. Example I, I, I customarily use, you have some, uh, maybe you have a young, a young guy, a teenager comes in and you find out that uh, he goes home, he yells at his mother. And um, okay, you know, you know uh, by the way, I, I very often call paradox plan B. And what that means is that first I'm gonna try CBT. First I'm gonna, I'm gonna try a behavioral intervention. I'm gonna try to discuss his history, his background. And when all those don't work, then I'm gonna do, use paradox. The, the reality is if I, if I use paradox straight out, then very often people get like shaken up by it. Now, I don't know what this guy's doing, I'm out of here. So, okay, so I'm gonna to talk to the client about, you know, did you think maybe differently when you, when you, when you go home, you know, uh, that you don't have to argue with your mom. Uh, it could be a different relationship. Uh, also realize, you know, behaviorally, if, if you had a better relationship with your mom, uh, then maybe, uh, you know, you, you would be much happier and, and, and you'd feel much better about yourself. Uh, yeah, sure. I know that you have trauma in the background, so I, I understand that. But, you know, now that you know that you have that trauma that is really not part of who you are, you really can, can, can let go of this arguing that you do with your mom. Okay, and you know, and again, we work very hard. And, and if that works, by the way, then we've do, done our job. Then, we, then, then if the client changes, then we're good. But very often what happens is you, you did the CBT, you did the behavioral, you did the psychodynamic. Um, and for whatever reason, they're still going home and they're arguing with their mom. So what I do with the clients is I, find, I try to find out like the details, like what like, what's the trigger? What, what gets you going? You're going to go home, you know, like, what, what, what does your mom do that really ticks you off? And the client may say, well, you know, I go home, you know, I just want like 10 minutes to myself. But as soon as I walk in the door, she says, well, when are you going to take out the garbage? When are you going to wash the dishes? And, uh, you know, I, I tell her, listen, mom, just let me walk in. Give me 10 minutes to, to rest up, to, to settle down. I'll, I'll do that. But give me... Give, no, I want to know when you're going to wash the dishes, when you're going to take out the garbage. And wouldn't you know it, they into, that's, that's the beginning of a fight. So what the client has just told me, he just told me the pattern. He just told me how it works. So what I say to the client is, okay, we tried all these other therapies. Obviously, it's not working. I'll tell you what. Why don't, I'm going to do a paradox intervention with you. And uh, what we're going to do is we're going to plan Right, you and me together are going to plan that when you go home now, you and your mom will fight. Okay, that's what you're going to do. You're going to fight. We're going to decide right here what you're going to fight. You, you, you will fight. And uh, you know and I know 
that uh, she's going to ask you to take the garbage out. She's going to ask you to wash the dishes. And when she does that, okay, what are you supposed to do? Yeah, but I, I don't want to argue with my no, I know that's not what you want, but that's what you do anyway. So why don't we just plan it? You and me, we're just going to plan it. That's what you're going to do. You're crazy. What, what kind of therapist are you? You're not, that's not helping me. Listen, I know you, you're a predictable guy. I know you're going to go home. I have confidence in you that you can do this exercise. Ah, this guy's crazy. And the client goes home. He walks in the door. And wouldn't you know it, mom says, when are you taking the garbage out? When are you going to wash the dishes? Now, the old client, right, that's the trigger. Now, if I did my job right, I'm standing next to the client, and I go, go ahead, yell at your mom. Yell at your mom. You always yell at your mom. Go ahead. Yeah, but I don't want to yell at my mom. You always yell at my mom. Come on, just do, do it. Just do it. You always yell at her. And in that moment, the client is like, I, 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 I'm not yelling at her. I'm, I'm just going to go into my room and take my jacket off. Now, what's interesting about this intervention is he, he didn't yell at mom. He walked away. I didn't tell him not to yell at mom. Okay, I didn't tell him, don't yell at mom. I told him to yell at mom. So, okay, so as you listen to it, well, of course, so you did reverse psychology. You told him to yell at his mother because really, 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 you didn't want him to yell at his mom. But as I said before, the problem with that is that that's a manipulation. And the reality is, is that on a certain level, it doesn't matter to me personally whether he yells at his mom. I'm just pointing out the pattern. This is the pattern that you guys do. This is what you've done for, for, for the three months ago, two months ago, last month, last week. This is what you guys are always doing. You know, this is nothing new. So in predicting the pattern, what I'm letting the client know is that I see you. I'm with you. And what I call what I, what I just did is I changed the system. And what that means is that usually when the client walks in the door, the system is him and his mother, the two of them. And even though in therapy, we talked about it, that really he shouldn't yell at his mother and he knows better, he really shouldn't. The problem is, is that when he walks in and it's the same system, then, uh, uh, you know, they, they fall into the old pattern because it's the same system. But if I did my job right, that means that when the client walks in the door, I'm kind of standing next to him. So rather than two people walking in the door, now there's three people in the room. Three people is a lot different than two people. And the and, and, and how a, a, a system reacts simply by the fact that it's a three instead of a two, it immediately changes the whole dynamic. So if you get a sense, I'm not telling anybody to change, but they happen to change. This is what the system is different. I'm going to do something different. So that's uh, basically paradox in a nutshell. Okay. Subscribe for that opening. Yeah. In theory, that's all good. And now we're going to get into it and really try to understand what you're saying in English. Sounds okay. good. Don't, don't ask me too many questions. <laughs> oh. <laughs> oh, you mean, oh, that's what, it? What, what, did say? what did I say? 
<laughs> saying the speech is it. That's it. Take it from there and run. Right, right. Okay. No, we're going to get into it. We're going to grill you a little bit. Yeah. Because the concept, it sounds crazy what you just said. I, I hope so. That's right. Listen, it's now, now, by the way, so 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 to hold on. So to recognize that 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 I in, in paradox, I call it that there's like basically three parts, right? So three pieces. One is the Carl Rogers part, which is um <clears throat> um acceptance, uh warmth, empathy, genuineness, uh, unconditional positive regard. So that's kind of the, the Carl Rogers piece to it. So I'm giving the client unconditional positive regard. The second piece is basically Fritz Perls. I have training in Gestalt therapy. Fritz Perls was very much in the here and now. And what's powerful about the here and now is that change can only happen really in the here and now, right? It can't happen tomorrow. It can't happen yesterday. So, so it's a very much here and now kind of therapy. The third part I've come to term as Bugs Bunny. And if you ever watch Bugs Bunny cartoons, Bugs Bunny is absurd. You know, he's he's like he's always doing something a little off track, and um, and and you, you try to keep track of what he's doing, but you know, like at the end, he's he's always like, "What's up, Doc?" And uh, the the whole situation is suddenly different with with Bugs Bunny. Instead of everybody uh, jumping on him, he's on the outside going, "Yeah, how's it going? How are you guys doing? You know, uh, fighting in there." So, um, so there's an absurdity to paradox. And um, so when you say it's crazy, I, 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 I want to thank you for the compliment. You're welcome. Okay, <laughs> let's, take, let's take a little break. We're going to take a poll. We're going to ask the, uh, the, the, the crowd three questions. Everybody should vote. It's anonymous. And then again, like I said, we have Dr. Elliot Kaplan who's doing this for many, many years. And um, he's dealt with some difficult issues and he's seen tremendous change. So let's try to figure out in your personal problems or, or problems that you could see how it would actually play out you know what I mean? In um in your situation. So let's start with the poll. It's a three question poll, okay? Menachem, you can see it. Okay, three questions. Here we go. Everybody answer. In your experience, what factor contributes the most to the effectiveness of the client therapy relationship? What's the most important factor so that you and your therapist get along? It's one of three options. Which one would you say would be the best? Number one, being on the same page as your therapist. Number two, clearly defined therapeutic goals. Or number three, open communication and trust. What do you think would be the most contributive factor that you and your therapist could really grow together? Second question, how much effort is typically required for a client to address and overcome challenging mental health issues? So how much effort does it actually take for the client to really, if he's struggling with screaming at his mother or any other type of mental health issues, to really overcome, in your opinion? Minimal effort, primarily relying on the therapist's guidance. Option two, moderate effort involving active participation and commitment from the client. Or option three, intensive effort involving dedicated work both inside and outside the therapy sessions. The third question, in your opinion, what factors do you believe contribute to why some individuals may not find success in standard therapy, right? We always hear all the time that I went to therapy for 20 years, I went to therapy for 10 years, and we're holding nowhere. Why would you think that would be? Four options. Client and therapist are just not seeing eye to eye. Some people just believe that there's no real help with specific problems, right? That just whatever my issue is, it's just not really helpful with a therapist. I can't, you know, number three, change is so hard that talking is really not going to help. So, you know, if somebody has a bad meat or a bad trait, 
or they have some type of real serious thing that you could talk from today till tomorrow with a the therapist, but the bottom line is just too hard to change. Number four, incap incapability with the chosen therapeutic approach or methodology. That means that the approach, whether it's CBT, DBT, hypnosis, psychedelics, paradox, or whatever it is, is just incapable with what a person needs to accomplish to really grow. So those are the three questions. Answer to the best of your ability. And um, let's share the answers. And then Dr. Elliot, we're going to see what the people say, and then uh, we'll get your uh, feedback on it. You know what I mean? Sure. Okay, let's give it a few seconds. People are sending him some questions over here. Okay, five more seconds. Okay, I think most people voted. Let's share it with everybody. Okay, so the first question. In your experience, what factor contributes the most effectiveness of the client-therapist relationship? And very interesting, you have a very clear answer over here. And Dr. Elliot, I want to hear your opinion. Only 6% believe being on the same page as your therapist. 70% clearly define therapeutic goals. 77% of people here tonight believe open communication and trust. That's the icker. That's the main factor between have a good client therapy relationship what's your opinion on that paul yeah yeah um it's uh, pretty accurate um i would say first of all the research the research shows that uh regardless of the um the modality uh the most important part of uh, the therapy is the alliance between uh, the therapist and the client um in terms of, of uh, so, so in other words, so if, if you're a thinking kind of person, then CBT may, might work for you and, and you can connect with the therapist on that level. Um, and uh, it, whatever the therapist is doing, if it resonates with you, with the, with the client uh, on that level, then it could definitely be helpful. So, so the alliance is, is the number one um, part of uh, therapy. What I would add to that is that uh, the hope and again, the assumption of a lot of therapy is that, well, you know, for the alliance to exist, you know, or if the client's got to get 50% and the therapist will get 50% and you have 100%. There are certain clients who, because of their own trauma, they can't give 50%. They just, it's just, uh, they don't have the trust. They, they can't reach out. For some of them, they can't even give 25. Um, so the good news of paradox is that really uh, sometimes uh, in my own view, I'm kind of like going in after the client because I, I have to find out where the client's at. And I, I will, I, I, I'm not going to rely on the client to come out and bond with me. I'm going to just go in and bond with the client. And uh, it still makes up a hundred percent, but I, it turns out I might be doing 80% of, uh, of the bonding. Okay. Interesting. Second question, very also very, very clear answer from the people. How much effort is typically required from the client to address and to overcome challenging mental health issues? Only 2% say minimal effort, primarily relying on the therapist's guidance. 27% believe it's moderate, including active participation and commitment from the client. 70% of the people here believe intensive effort in client in involving dedication and work both inside and outside the therapy sessions. What's your opinion on that, Dr. Elliot? Propaganda. Propaganda. <laughs> Propaganda. <laughs> 
that's what we've been taught for uh, since Freud. You know, like you got to work, you, you got to push that car up the hill. You got you got to put the effort in, and it's time. And it's, you know, and the problem is, is that is that because everybody's trying so hard to change, um, at the end of the day, very often change, uh, it, it, it becomes a lifetime work. And, and, and because you think you're in therapy and, and the change doesn't happen. Uh, in the example I gave, the, uh, where I told the client that, uh, that he's expected to get angry at his mother, uh, you can get a sense that the client didn't really, it, it wasn't like he thought to himself, oh, you know, I, I was going to yell at her, but now I'm not. I'm going to hold myself back. I'm going to have impulse control. Not at all. You know, it's like he just kind of re recognized the pattern of, of where he's at and that uh, that his therapist, that means the therapist was with him. It was it just changed his perspective of the situation. And by changing the perspective in and of itself, he was able to react differently. So, so at least so, to clarify, everybody. so far, what you've said so far, just to clarify, is that since paradox therapy it doesn't take so much 50-50 relationship because you could just be his buddy and chizik. And number two, you're saying it takes less than intensive effort because when you're validating him and you're on his team and there's three people in the room, the change will come easier than with the intense effort. That's what you're saying so far, correct? Well, well Kevin, you, you said I'm, uh, I'm his buddy. Um, very often, I'm not his buddy. <laughs> Meaning that, I mean, obviously, if I'm the therapist, I... I'm hoping that I have something to add to his situation. It's not that we're going to come in and talk about, you know, whether the Yankees are in first place or not. Uh, it's, it's, there's a, an element where uh, I, you know, part of what I'm doing is I'm assessing the path, you know, the client, I, I call it waves at the beach. In other words, the client will come in and the first session will tell me that he's, he gets angry at his mother. Okay, fine. That happens, you know, you get angry at your mother. Next session he comes in, he gets angry at his brother. Next session he comes in, he gets angry at his teacher. The next session he comes in, he says he's angry at the neighbor. What I realized at a certain point is that it's, you know, if we if we try to take each of these situations separately, then we miss the boat. Okay, because it's not that each person he's angry at, that's it's the underlying issue that he's he's an angry person, that this is his overall, his overriding issue. So my job is to is to help him come to that recognition without me necessarily saying, well, I think that you're an angry person, right? Because if I if I say that to the client, very often his response is, you know, I'm really not an angry person. I'm really not. You know, if my mother would if my mother wouldn't say this to me, if my brother didn't say that to me, if my if my teacher, you know, was more respectful, you know, my neighbor, you wouldn't believe what my neighbor did. Okay, so from the client's perspective, they're seeing it in a certain way that, that you know, if everybody would treat me right, I wouldn't be angry. So in, in terms of working with that client, I have to be able to kind of convey uh, without necessarily accusing him, oh, you're angry. Okay, so, so very often the homework is, well, you know, it seems that, that you get angry very often. Why don't we plan when and where and with who you're going to get angry again? Uh, usually the client is surprised by that uh, because I, I'm not an angry person. Why, why are you planning that with me? 
Well, because it seems that, uh, you know, like uh, inevitably uh, every other day, every third day, you're going to angry at somebody. What do we plan right now? You and me together are going to plan who you're going to get angry at next. So again, so from the client's perspective, it's confusing. So to say that I'm I'm simply a buddy, you know, a buddy doesn't, you, you know, a buddy usually is not somebody who's going to confuse uh, his friend. So the client will walk out a little confused. And to tell you the truth, even as I'm doing this seminar, even as I'm doing this podcast, what I need the listener to know is that at the end of this presentation, if you're confused, that's good. <laughs> Because that means that that your mind had to expand. That that so, it didn't. It's not making sense to what you're accustomed to hearing. So if you're feeling a little confused, uh, in my view, I think that that's that's a positive thing. So far, you're doing an amazing job. <laughs> okay. Let's go to the last question. In your opinion, what factors do you believe contribute to why some individuals may not find success in standard therapy? 7% client and therapists are not seeing eye to eye. 15% some people just believe there's no real help with their specific problem. 27% believe change is so hard that talking is not really going to help. And 50% of people believe Incompatibility. So people believe that they're using the warring type of therapy for their specific problem. What's your opinion on that, Paul? Right. Um, well, you know, it's, it's, it's interesting. When I, when I first uh, was coming out with Paradox and I, and I came out with my book, um, in my mind, I'm thinking like, oh, you know, I, I'm, I'm, I'm competing with CBT. I'm competing with behavioral. I have to somehow show people that my technique, my method, what I realized along the way is that um, when you're joining somebody, really, really paradox is about joining. It's, 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 if CBT works, then that's, then you're joining, you know, the, the client will, will change. The client will get better. If a behavioral intervention, if a reward is going to work, again, the, the client will, will will change and get better. Um, so so part of part of my view in paradox is to kind of also identify what the client can relate to. Okay, uh, I had an interesting case uh, a while back. A father comes in with his son, and. The kid, like, you know, the father's trying to get the kid to talk. The kid is not talking. He's like, you know, like he, he can barely put two words together. And I'm trying to, you know, get the kid, you know, like, you know, talk about this, you know, like I'm trying to relate to him. And the father tells me this kid has has tons of friends, tons of friends. I'm thinking, come on, the guy can't talk. What are you talking about? He's got tons of friends. That doesn't, that doesn't make sense. So uh, at one point they ask him, well, well, what do you like to do? What, well, what are you good at? He says, uh, he plays the guitar. Okay, hey, maybe the next session, bring in the guitar. So the next session, he comes in with the guitar. I'm telling you, he opened the case. He twirled the guitar, you know, right before he started. And the, the loving way that he twirled the guitar I knew right away that he could play, that he that he had a that he had a, an ability to play. Yeah, people were coming over, friends were coming over because this guy could. <laughs> he 
he, he really knew how to do, do different songs and 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 he had friends because because he had this knack for for being able to play the guitar. So what I'm saying is is that you know for for a client like this, for me to get through, you know, I, you know, uh, somebody asked me today if I play anything, if I play any instruments. I said, well, I play the radio. That's what I play. Um, but for a client like this, you know, if if I if if he has a therapist that's more that's more musical, that can relate to him on that level. In my view, I think that that therapist would probably get get through to this client better than I could, because the client is going to be able to relate with that other musician, uh, and they're going to have a lot more in common than maybe that that I had with this client. So, okay. uh, so at least to answer your question, so so it's a matter of really um, uh, having a bond. But but again, I, it might be paradox is an is, a, is an umbrella type therapy where, where a, a lot of therapy comes under it. Okay, let's get into it. Okay, that's the first live questions. You're on. Okay, thank you. Sure. I never sure. did this before, but I'm very excited to be here. I. I'm going to ask you like this in the last of your polls, which I can't see anymore. I wanted to review the wording. What I'm it's the polls, I'll read it to you. It said, in your opinion, what factors do you believe contribute to why some individuals may not find success in standard therapy, right. either client therapists are not seeing eye to eye. Some people just believe there's no real help in specific problem. Change is so hard that talking about it is really not going to help or in capability with the chosen therapeutic approach. Right. Okay, so really what I'm my answer is the third one. I, I believe that talk change is so hard that you can talk from today until forever and it might not help. And the fourth choice over there was, or maybe the third choice was, oh, the, the choice is the therapeutic mo approach, right? So I'm not... A therapist. I don't know all the many, many different therapeutic approaches, but am I making sense? Like, I, I what's believe you, what's that. What's your question? What's your question? No matter how many types of approaches one has tried, that may be nice and wonderful, but we're it's not getting anywhere because change is so hard. It just, we're, we're, that's why I think that what he said might work the the paradox <laughs> whatever he'll say to me yeah. you know in, in whatever my issues are he'll show it to me in a way that i never heard before like uh, that i want to hear some more of his example, yeah, example. Let's, let's use an example so we can try to play it out yeah is there a situation in your life that that you you might be struggling with and uh, maybe want to put it out so there? let's say um communication Okay. Dealing with people. I can't say it's absolutely nobody that I could communicate with. Baruch Hashem, I think I'm a very nice person, easy to be friendly and everything. But there are some people that when I talk to or they talk to me, we just aren't coming to an understanding of each other. We just have a hard time seeing the same way. How do we overcome that? Right, right. Uh, well, the first thing I would say is that obviously, you know, uh, to to be on the same page as everybody is is a very tall order because 
you know, everybody, we're all individuals and we're all, uh, we're, we're all trying to communicate. We're all trying to, to, um, uh, to communicate with other people. But I would say generally uh, the feeling, we, we want to feel comfortable in our communication on some level, but usually it's the people in our family, uh, parents that we hope to communicate with best, um, uh, spouse that we're trying to communicate with, um, our, our kids uh, we're trying to communicate with. If you're not communicating with the neighbors so much, uh, you're probably not uh, so upset, but but it's usually people within the family that gives us uh, yeah, an issue. Exactly. Right. So, so, so my question is: Is there any a specific person person in your family that you would hope that you would want to communicate better with? I would say my spouse. Okay. Okay. So, so in your view, what? So, so he he doesn't understand you. You you tell him that you would like to. Uh, something a certain way and, and he doesn't respond what, what's the issue that comes up okay i feel like i'm having a private session so this is very no, good no 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 it's we're trying to get understand the right, right, right. We can explain it how yeah. how he would deal with it with his method okay um once we had a discussion like this in front of a therapist we said my husband likes to go bowling i don't he likes, I would rather go um, to the park, to outdoors. And okay. some, somehow we just couldn't come to an agreement here. You know, everybody is different, right? We, we said that, but how can we get to that middle ground of anything? It could be about money. It could be about raising children, different mm -hmm ideas that you know should the kids do this or that or not right and right. we're not able to be what do you want to call it communication mm -hmm. so so i'm going to re i'm going to reword what you just told me and you'll tell me if i'm correct um what i'm hearing is that every time you say left your husband says right and when every time you say right your husband says left a lot of times there's okay. there's that and we're both smart so yeah, right, <laughs> it's hard right. Right, 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 right. So, so, so that's the pattern. That's that's what you're doing. So, so you're struggling to get to convince him of your side, correct? And 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 I imagine on some level he might be struggling to convince you of his side. Well, the, the, let me let, let me ask that question again. Does he struggle to, to? I mean, you're you're obviously upset because you're not communicating with him, correct? I think that he gets more disappointed than I do that I don't understand him. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Okay, but 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 at the same time you get disappointed that he doesn't understand you. Well, I'm I'm really kind of more easygoing and you know, if it didn't work, it didn't work. We'll figure it out a different time, we'll do something else. I'll just uh -huh. let it I'll let it, you know, I'll let it disappear, which of course it doesn't disappear. Right, 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 right. So you give in. Sounds like you you're generally giving into uh, whatever. If your husband wants to go bowling, generally you're going to end up going bowling. I think we lost her. Ah, okay. So she'll be back in two minutes. All right, she'll be back. Okay. Um, so so basically, the assignment is is that to 
to expect. You see, see usually the, the struggle that people have is that it's always a big surprise when they say, when, when she says right and the husband says left, it's a big surprise. What? what? I, I can't believe it. I, you know, it's, it's like, it seems like it's, it's like, you know, where did this come from? You know, I said left, he said right. I said right, he said left. I, I, it's always new. It's always, but from what she's presenting, this is the predictable pattern. So on a certain level, if we can if we can plan right now that she's going to say left and the husband's going to say right, then we already know ahead of time what we're walking into, and it sounds like like she's more willing to give in. So I would say I would say let's plan that you're going to give in. You're, you're going to say right, he's going to say left. You're going to say right, he's going to say left. Uh, by the third time, you're going to give in, and then uh, he gets his way, and everybody's happy. Not. But that was her, her question. She doesn't want that to happen. She feels it's happening already for 10 years. Right, right, right. Now, I understand. But but the point being is that is that obviously she's struggling with that. Um, but, I, but I'm just giving feedback on the pattern, right? I'm sorry. I disappeared for a while. I... Yeah, you did. <laughs> her husband okay. disconnected it. Glad no, I, I set my phone to die for the purpose of kids not using it could you imagine that okay so i guess i got back on okay okay good. so dr elliot how in her situation when forget about hers in general when there's miscommunication and they don't see eye to eye how would paradox therapy well i mean we have to plan on how would we play it out how would we play it out with her well i uh i mean she mentioned that she was in couples therapy with uh with uh, her spouse um you know, I, the, the, what I what I usually do in therapy, it sounds crazy, but what I do is I side with the husband and I side and I side with the wife. Oh, right? I, I, I was say just the husband. All the men were about to sign up. I had to like. Oh, <laughs> no, I, I, I'll side with the husband. And I'll side with the wife. And, and generally, I, I'm, and I'm still waiting for somebody to say, well, wait a minute. If you're siding with him, then you can't side with me. And if you're siding with me, then how can you be siding with him? But it turns out that people just want to know that they're being heard. That's basically what people want to know. Once they know that they're heard, it's a little easier to, to be more flexible once they can acknowledge that. So if if they were here as a couple, I would turn to the husband, I'd say, okay, so you like to go bowling. Uh, you know, you like, uh, you know, you like to do things like that. And your wife likes to go to the park. Um, but uh, it sounds like, uh, husband, you don't want to give in. You you like bowling, and there's a part of you that, that that's what your thing is. You love bowling. You're going to go bowling. That's what you like. Is that am I am I correct? And I'll ask the point. Am I correct? Right. And I would expect that he would say, uh, yeah, I, I like bowling. I say, very good, excellent. And then I would turn to you, and I would say, okay, so you're telling me that you like going to the park. You like maybe taking a walk outside and spending a little time outside. Um, uh, but you really don't like going bowling. Is that correct? Correct. Okay. Uh, and ultimately, because, because of that situation, uh, I guess there's always going to be a little tension between you and your husband. Mm -hmm. Right. So why don't we, you and me together, we're going to plan that the next time you're going to approach your husband about taking a walk, he's going to uh, basically say no. And I mean, this is what you'll expect it, that he's going to say no and that he's going to want to go bowling. Um, and, uh, you know, part of it is, I guess you have to expect that you're going to be upset 
uh, and obviously because the pattern is that you give in, so the husband never really has to do anything different, really. Um, so we ju we'll just plan that you'll give in. How how's that? Okay. You happy with that? Yeah. No, you're not. <laughs> <laughs> no, you're not happy with that. <laughs> um. So I'm. I'm. Do you mean I should say no? I'm not happy with that. And then. Well, I mean, the, the reality is, I think that that. Right, I'm you know, not happy with that. Yeah, yeah I, uh, right. I, right. I, Honestly, I, I would, I would, I would yeah. say that. And I, and Fine. I wouldn't, and I wouldn't expect that you would be happy with. It. But the point is, is that if you're always, if you're always going to give into your husband, then there's really no reason for him to change. You know, when when I work with with anybody, I, I'm always looking for what motivates this person. What's what what what's going to get this person to do something a little different? Not because I'm going to convince them. Uh, but simply because this is this is what they want to do. So, so how does this work? So 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 my, so what I'm saying to you is that if you're always going to give it to your husband, uh, then essentially he's there's no motivation on his end to do anything different. If you say, okay, you go bowling and I'm going to take a walk and I'll see you later, uh, that's going to rock the boat a little bit. Okay, so and. So, so sometimes what I do in paradox is I, I kind of poke, all right? Meaning that the question is, if, if you really want to take a walk, I mean, I'm telling you ahead of time that you will feel uncomfortable if you, do, if you go for a walk and your husband doesn't agree. But I would be interested to see how your husband reacts to that. In other words, the hope is, is that your husband would say, wow, you know, you... You took a walk without me, and I, you know, we always go bowling together, and you know, and I, I, I thought that maybe you got, you were getting to like bowling, but if your husband sees that you're doing something different, then that's going to put a little pressure on him. Uh, now, you know, generally, you, you might think you have the answer of what how he's going to react. The reality is, you don't know, you don't know, and, and and I don't know, right? So, but I'm just saying that if you do something different, uh, what's the there's a saying that if if you keep doing the the definition of crazy is if you keep doing the same thing over and over again and and expecting a different result, right? So, mm -hmm. so, so, so what I'm saying is, is that on, on that level, if if you think that you would really like to go for a walk, it's not a matter of arguing with your husband. Oh, you he should come with you. You'd like him to come, you know. You're letting him know. I would, I'd like to go for a walk. A walk with you. We went bowling. I went bowling with you last week. Um, you know, maybe next week I'll go bowling with you, but today, you know, uh, you know, I, I'd like to do something that I'd like to do. And if you're saying that if you go and do something different, then things might change. Well, I'm saying that it, it would, it, you know, when I talk about the system, the system is usually in equilibrium. Right now, the equilibrium is that you give in. As long as you're giving in, there's no reason for him to do anything different because that's the equilibrium. He's happy. Right. On your end, if you do something a little different, that's going to put pressure on the other end of the equation. Right. So okay. in my mind, I'm just questioning, like, what would happen if it makes a lot of sense to me? And I think I might have heard something like this, but not said straight out like that. Like someone would ask me, oh, so did you do what you wanted to do? Right. And I would say, yeah, you know, sometimes. Right, right. So if that, but, but but let me just say, let me just say, you know, again, I, I'm. This is a short conversation, and in, in like ten minutes, I try to size everything up. 
My homework too, I'm gonna to give you homework, okay? Now the homework I'm gonna give you, you might not like, but I have faith that you will do it, okay? Yeah. You ready? All right. right. The homework is I want you to give in. That's your homework. You have to give in whatever any, whatever your kids want, you give in. Whatever your husband wants, you give in. Whatever your mother wants, you give in. Whatever your father wants, you're going to give in. That's correct. And I think you can do it. I love homework. Okay, and you'll do again, it. But again, Dr. Ellis, you're, you're doing the paradox with her, but I, I want to understand this is where I'm going to have a hard time. Yeah. Because what you're saying to her is she should be an abused, martyred woman that just always gives in. Why is that going to change, right? You're married to somebody who's going to take advantage of you and you're always going to give in. Right. Okay, Why? and that's a, a good question. So normally when she gives in, she's alone. She's by herself. She's all by herself giving in, right? It's her, her against the world. Right. What I just did in this intervention is, is that I took away that aloneness. In other words, as she's giving in, all right, what I'm, what, what I'm expecting is that she's suddenly going to realize, I mean, it's not that she doesn't know that she gives in. She's very aware that she gives in. And she knows that she shouldn't, right? She know, I know I shouldn't do it, but you do it anyway because because you're you're alone in in that system. By me joining, by me giving the homework that this is what you must do. Now the next time that you give in, it's like all of a sudden, ah, is this really what I want to do? So instead of it taking ten minutes to figure out, you might figure it out in uh, five minutes. You might figure it out in three minutes, and to really decide is this really what i want to do right now i understand let me, let me amp up her question yeah it will make sense let me amp up her question a little bit yeah. if our husband is a narcissist and he's going to love this because you're going to he's going to choose you as a therapist and he's going to pay you top dollar because you're doing exactly what he would like how is she ever going to get out of it well that's that's the question that's the million dollar question because if the husband's a narcissist which I don't know at this point, right? Because I, I'm not talking to the husband. I've never met him. Um, the hope is, you know, like in relationships, the hope is, you know, uh, I'm going to give in a little for you. You're going to give in a little for me. We're going to do something together. I know that you want to, you're really invested in doing this. Okay, we're going to do that. You know, you want to go uh, to a trip to uh, uh, to Miami and I want to go for a trip to Chicago. All right, so now we'll go to Miami. But, uh, the you know, the assumption is that next time we're going to go to Chicago. So there's a give and take, right? That's that's my my sense. If the husband says, wow, this is great, you know, like, you know, I'm going to get everything that I always want. Well, I mean, first of all, you know, there's a there's a, a part where uh, the husband's realized along the way that that if he if he just does what he wants, that that eventually his, his wife will give in, she'll give in. But uh, the question is, if you're not happy doing that, you know, if, if you try something a little different, uh, the question is, uh, will will that change the situation? So are you recapping that if somebody has mental illness, narcissist, or borderline, that this method could be actually extremely dangerous? Um, I, I don't know that I would say it's dangerous. I think that it, it just Why it's the world's be, most dangerous therapy? Well, it's the most dangerous therapy because I think people are more shocked by it. <laughs> In other words, it's like, uh, I, I think it's dangerous because, because people have their assumption that therapy is hard. And that, that I have to work hard to change, you know, it's like, so, 
So it, it kind of rocks the boat of, of uh, people's assumption of what therapy has to be. Um, but, I think what you're saying is good because I think what you're saying is in a regular relationship when there's two healthy people and you see that one person goes along with it and you're giving them the chizik and you're on their side and you're with them, the other right. person actually feels like changing, you know, I feel guilty of this, and that, but I feel like when you're dealing with not healthy people, this is, this is, would be detrimental. Right, but well, I, uh, I right. want to come in, I want to come in for a second. Oshi is not saying that she should give in. He's not telling her, you know, just, just continue giving in. That's something she did till now. Right. And by him giving her the homework to continue giving in, she will next time think twice if she wants to give in or not. Correct. So there you go. You got a little bit of a change already. Completely lost. Uh, so slowly, slowly. <laughs> That's what it yeah. is. Yeah, in, in, other, in, in other words, in other words, uh, you know, Jeffrey also comes <clears throat> as a spouse and uh, as a couple, and the therapist tells her in front of him that you should give in. Then the husband will always say, "Dr. Elliot, PhD, no, 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 no. So, give in. no. Hold on. So, so then I would turn to the husband, and I would give the husband homework. And my my homework to the husband is, husband, you should never give in. You should never give in, husband. You have to always get your way." Right now, you have to realize the husband's going to smile. He's going to like this homework. Wow, this is really great. All right, but well, I'm but, coming with you. I'm coming to you for that. <laughs> but you have to realize that if the husband realizes at a certain point that now, now when he, when he, even for him, when he, when he's going to do his homework, right, that he's not going to give in. You know, a narcissist is very alone in the world. Narcissist is, is like everything revolves around them. It's, it's, it's the narcissist against the world. So all of a sudden, if I'm if I'm popping up next to him and I'm and I'm going, yeah, don't give in, don't give in, don't even think of giving in. It actually is upsetting to the narcissist because it's like, who are you to jump into my box? You know, get out. You know, who let you into my box here? But the but the point being is that but again I don't know that he's a narcissist and maybe you you know maybe if she did something a little different if you know but okay, let, let, let's go let's go through some more questions we're gonna have to clarify it more and more because I yeah, think a lot okay. of people have the same issue that it's I'm working. having it's working yeah. yeah it's working I'm already confused yeah, yeah. good good okay. so 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 but but the one thing I want to say is this is a good example we're talking about the behavior right I'm talking about the behavior so so okay you know just keep giving in right that's the behavior. But underneath it, underneath what I'm doing is I'm just saying to the wife, you're not alone. I'm with you. We're, we're planning this together. And that is what's the changes. That's what's different here. Okay. It's okay. a different. Let's, let's, a different let's go to the next question. Yeah. Okay. We're going to need a lot more clarity, but I'm going to, I'm going to grill you. Let's go. Next okay. question. You're on. <laughs> okay. So how can you apply the same paradox psychology to the, with someone dealing, like someone suffering from very severe depression um, to the point where they can't get out of bed, they're just always sleeping, not motivated, looks right. at everything in a very negative light, and also dealing with like panic from very small, minute things, little things that won't affect somebody else. It, it just puts them in a very severe panic. Correct. Okay. Um, so as you can tell, if I say to the person who's depressed, okay, let's, Let's get more depressed. Uh, that's not uh, helpful, okay? And the reason it's not helpful is because basically the person's depressed already. The homework is to get more depressed. So really he's kind of even more by himself because nobody wants to be depressed. And, 
and I'm not really standing next to him because he's kind of getting just just kind of going into his the the pit the uh, the the um, that emptiness. So that's right. not really where I want to. I don't really want to go there. So with depression, with suicide, it's like I'm not going to say to the suicidal person, "Okay, let's plan when you're going to commit suicide." That's that's irresponsible. Okay, all right. 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 Um, but what I do want to know is what motivates you, client. What 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 the, you know in general when things were good, what got you out of bed? What do you like doing? Okay, what what are your hobbies? <clears throat> what um, you know. Uh, if it's an elderly person, you know, sometimes the elderly feel alone, they feel isolated. Uh, so I might talk, start talking to them about their grandchildren, about maybe something that they did in, in their, uh, you know, when they were working. In other words, if you get a sense, I'm, I'm joining that person in reminding them that there are things in life that they enjoy. Right. Mm -hmm. So so what I would do with, with that kind of person is I say, you know what, the next time I come. Maybe you could show me pictures of your grandchildren. You know, I'd really like to see them. And, and if you get a sense, now the person, hopefully the depressed person is looking forward. Wow, okay, my therapist is coming back and he wants to see my grandkids and I'm going to be able to share it with them. And I'm going to tell them the story about my three-year-old, you know, uh, you know when, uh, when my three-year-old said it was Miami and, and uh, when I said I was going to Miami and my, my three-year-old said, no, it was his Miami. You know, you know, it's a little story, you know. But, but the person is going to come alive. And that's, again, but that's the joining. That's, that's because I'm on the, the person, the same page as that person. Mm -hmm. Okay, let's, let's, let's go a little deeper. Um, I'm going to unmute Gregory. Gregory maybe will help us explain a little bit deeper because I'm lost. Gregory, unmute. Thank you so much. Um, so, so, so I have an example from my, from my own life I've had the privilege for the last three or four years of participating in a Thursday Zoom session with Dr. Kaplan. And um, around that time, and I myself have clients that I work with, but at the time I was working with my own uh, periodic uh, edge, lose, losing my cool, being short-tempered at times. And uh, mm -hmm. specifically with my wife, who I adore, and we've been together 25 mm -hmm. years very happily, but we, we sandpaper each other, and, and that's how the jewel continues to get revealed. So at the time, I was getting impatient with myself for getting impatient with her. And, I, and so there was some sandpapering going on between us, but really within myself, because because. I know better here. I know better, but I was having some reactivity that was 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 destructive, and um, so I I had attended a session, a Zoom session with Dr. Kaplan, and I smiled because there was a kind of epiphany connecting inside, not my ego, but somewhere deeper in my heart of that. What it, how I relate to what he says about the infinite, infinite nature, the, 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 the nature that Rumi talks about beyond ideas of right doing and wrong doing, there's a field. So I, I, I go into the field inside myself, the spaciousness, and I made a decision from that place that the next time I'm activated, I'm going to really let my wife have it. I'm, I'm, I'm giving myself the assignment that I'm going to really let my wife have it. Now, 
what that what that looks like, I don't know, but let's see. So that so the next day, we had an appointment at the doctor with our uh, at the time thirteen year old daughter. We go, and the do- a new doctor came in and asked some very personal questions uh, around about our daughter with our daughter sitting there. Who this younger daughter has Down syndrome that I was very uncomfortable with and felt was inappropriate to be discussing in front of her would be more appropriate to be uh, step outside, have the nurse sit with our daughter and have me and my wife talk to him. But he did. And I got thrown for a moment, already triggered by his question and and the lack of, of sensitivity. And then my wife answered it without checking in with me. And I got really triggered and I could feel that momentary percolation and I could feel the impulse to go, are you kidding me? What are you doing? Answer it. The guys that I could feel that and simultaneously, like Viktor Frankl says, between stimulus and response, that's our freedom to choose. In that moment, I was also present to the wisdom of my heart and, and the assignment I gave myself. And I kind of chuckled because I recognized this is the perfect opportunity to really let her have it. And somewhere inside, I simultaneously being being my ego self and my wisdom self being standing together, recognize the absolute ridiculousness of, of me busting my wife's chops while we're sitting there both committed and devoted to our daughter's safety and well-being and our and our and our shared uh devotion to our family's care so i just rather than being reactive even though that was my assignment i just breathed and and it's not like the whole thing vanished but there was a neutrality that washed over me because I recognized I had the agency. I reclaimed my agency. I wasn't a slave to being reactive to the first impulse that shot up. No, I, I recognized not only can I do this and it not being wrong, there's a part of me encouraging me to, to, to be right. And I thought, okay, hang on a second. This is absurd. I'm, I'm, I'm gonna just I'm gonna just breathe. We're not going to accomplish anything here. We'll wait until we get in the car and we'll have a. So not only did I successfully address, uh, stay cool in the moment, didn't say a word as I normally might as soon as we leave the room, got in the car. And and as we got in the car, I glanced over at her. And as distinct from when I am sometimes triggered withdrawing, withdrawing physical affection, pulling physically and emotionally withdrawing. Rather than that, in my neutrality, I was able to reach my hand over and put, put my hand on her leg and, and, and genuinely with a heart connection say, can we talk about something that I was really uncomfortable with that just took place upstairs? And she said, yeah. And I said, when the doctor, and then I just observed what what took place uh, Gregory let's let, let's hone in on this I want to really zoom in hyper focus the story is a beautiful story what gave you that ability to center yourself in the moment when your subconscious mind wanted you to go cuckoo what was that thing because you felt that you should or you felt that you could 
So again, I'm, I'm just talking out loud. Is it because I have a personality that I always don't listen to what I'm supposed to do? So now that I know I'm supposed to scream, I'm not going to scream? Or it's because you had that... What what was the thing? What was that core thing that, that you think through the therapy, through the paradoxic theory, helped you in that core moment? Like really just zoom in on it so people can understand it. For for me in this moment, yes. I spend a, I've spent a lot of time cultivating uh, a relationship. Uh, everybody has a different word for it, um, but I've spent a lot of time cultivating in IFS. They call it the self. Um, so so there's a there's a that that me that is not one of my parts but it is, is most authentically me, which, which is not jumping into judgment of good and bad. And so I know that place well. I, I, I have a relationship with that place. And, and there's something about, it was from that place that I gave myself the assignment. So that in a way, uh, similar to a therapist working with a client where the therapist is in essence, as I've heard some people say, loaning, loaning the prefrontal cortex during that time to, to the client. There was for me a, a, an alliance being made that may otherwise not have been present between that peaceful, wise, uh, expansive me and and the reactive me, I I, I made a commitment from the, I made it a, uh, an alliance by speaking from that place and giving the assignment, and and so so even like I can imagine because w- when I'm reactive I can't speak for anyone else but when I'm reactive nine out of ten times if somebody would grab my me by the collar and say hey. Just tell me the truth right now. If you're really honest and checked inside, how old are you right now? You know, three. But again, you're going into Four. now IFS and you're going into. So, 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 let, so let me jump in here. So let me jump in. So, yeah. so very often, you know, when, when I'm working with a client, I accept them, but I also kind of challenge them. And, you know, sometimes what I'll do if, if a client is, is, is uh, impulsive about their anger what I might say, okay, the assignment is, is that you will get angry, okay? Uh, and listen, I know and you know that you have no free will. And since you have no free will, the anger is going to overtake you. Now, when you tell somebody that they have no free will, you're insulting their humanness, okay? If, if, if somebody would say, Asha, you have no free will, you're going to do this and this. Very often there's a visceral response like, who are you to tell me that I have no free will? I'm a I'm a human being. I, because I fight authority. So for me, it's perfect. Okay. So the guy t- who follows whatever the therapist says, I'm going to follow it exactly to the teeth. <laughs> well, you have no free will. That's good. Follow <laughs> my therapist. <laughs> okay. But but you get a sense that if, if, when I tell a client that it's okay that you have no free will, that very often is is kind of like the um, uh, the little poke. To, for the client, to, for the client to decide if they want to do something different. Okay, pause, pause for a second. Okay, hi, sorry, jump in. Yeah, no, I'm just listening uh, to Mr. Vahani, and he just kind of really took the words out of my mouth because I was wondering earlier. Dr. Kaplan mentioned the word absurdity. I was, it was just running through my head already. The word absurdity, and does that mean to be like, 
you, you say you see the absurdity of certain mental responses to things or or is it the situation but like you realize I could think it's really not as bad or as dramatic as it is why am I making a big thing about it why am I playing head trips with myself I, I can see an example many years many years ago I, I was struggling with agoraphobia and I was seeing a therapist and he said you know you know I was I think I was traumatized once I fainted in public so I just assumed that was going to happen again I was always worried about the humiliation and then the therapist said well nothing happened has it nothing yeah okay that's a nice cognitive in a cognitive way but at one point I just said if I'm going to freak out, just freak freak out. I mean, I think I was in public place somewhere. I had to do my errands. And I felt certain anxiety. So, okay, freak out already. Well, then, you know, crickets chirping, nothing happened. And I, it's not that I was cured. Like Dr. Bahani said, I didn't walk out magically transformed to realize that I was doing a lot, playing a lot of head trips with myself. And you know, sometimes you just either do something that may, maybe the opposite of what you, if, if that's what you mean by paradox, sometimes you have to do something either against your nature or against what, or what you really don't, you know, you'd rather do something else, but you've got to do this. And I wasn't even doing it to be a better person. I was doing it to survive in the world. I can't spend my life behind the closed doors. I'm dealing with that now. I just got mugged two weeks ago. So I'm a little nervous going into the lobby of my apartment building, but I got to do what I got to do. Right. Sometimes is yeah. that maybe, you know, you know, just have to survive and get a, get on with life. But, but I'm just saying, is that what you mean by absurdity? You're just seeing the absurdity of playing head trips with yourself or, or, you know, just get, you know, being stuck in a certain way of thinking and realize mm sometimes yeah i guess you have to give in or it sounds like you're negotiating with a spouse or something or just it, just get it's i mean is that what you mean by the absurdity of something right like it's not even worth trouble or yeah I, 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 that's i was i was well, sure. well well let me well, let me just jump in you know that that it turns out that 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 paradoxical interventions are very good for people who have panic attacks yeah, you know, yeah, because because usually you know yeah. you know you know people are trying so hard not to have a panic attack and they they they're so guarded and, and walking out and afraid they're gonna have the panic attack. Yeah, and then and then yeah. the paradox. I said, well, let, let's plan that you will have a panic attack. You know, yeah, like, yeah, exactly. You know, I did. You know, yeah. you're, you're gonna you're gonna get on the bus and uh, your hands yeah. are gonna start sweating, and oh. uh, we're gonna plan that you will. And and the interesting thing is that now that you're planning it. Again, you know, the, the person generally has a panic attack when they're alone, they're isolated, they're they're all by themselves. Yeah. But yeah. by the very fact that we're planning it together, that you yeah. will have the panic attack, it's like now they're getting on the bus, but then they're not by themselves anymore. It's like exactly. they have this, they have this like shadow that joins yeah. them and it, it just reduces that sense of tension. Yeah, or even a strategy. Okay, if I freak out, at least there'll be other people there to comfort me. But <laughs> it's just that. I don't know. I mean, I, I don't, I mean, thank God it's, you know, history now, this whole thing, but I'm just saying years ago, where, you know, where, where it was really, a, you know, a, a crippling, you know, I know people that stay in their rooms, you know, their homes, but yeah, but say just developing a certain strategy or, you know, that would plan B, I guess, you know, uh, maybe, you know, realizing that there are avenues of, if not, I don't want to say escape, but control, 
that would, none of us have to complete control over our lives. I've learned, but, but you have a certain measure of, I guess, seichel. I obviously faith, but there's seichel. Uh, I think that's mm. why I really just started using it. That's realized why my, you know, why, why am I being, you know, so silly? You know, so I, I, I don't know if that's meant by absurdity. You know, I, you know, it's just funny because when you said the word, I was just thinking it over here in my room, my, <laughs> and maybe that, yeah, but it explains that I appreciated what Mr. Vahanian said, you know, Dr. Vahanian, whatever he mm -hmm. said, yeah. Okay, let's, let's do the next question, and I want Moshe Norman to answer the question first, and then you'll comment on that, okay? Okay, Dr. Elliot, does that work for you? All right, yeah, sure, let's let Moshe jump in. Okay, Moshe will jump in. The question goes like this, and I want him to explain for us simpletons who don't understand still what you're trying to express. He's going to explain it via the question, how your theory works and how it would play out on this question, okay? My husband slash or wife spouse has been in therapy for a year now. He comes home or she comes home with all the knowledge and ideas and methods, but does not change and does not follow through. What can be done to get my spouse to change via the paradox therapy? Moshe, can you explain that? Okay. Explain the question, explain the problem. I'm sure you've seen this a thousand times. Okay, explain great. Explain to this simpleton person how paradox therapy would play out in that scenario and how it would possibly help them. Okay, so so I just uh, want Moshe, to give it a... Moshe, I just want to say you're crashing my show. I'm crashing the show. And the reason the reason is because I spent about 10 years learning paradox therapy from Dr. Elliot Kaplan. And the one thing I will say definitively is that it is absolutely magical and it works. I use paradoxical therapy in my practice all I just the want time. To go back. I just want to go back because people are texting the whole time. I don't understand that he's saying good. So I'm, I'm going to give you. Sense. I'm going to give you my explanation of it. That's pretty clear, much but very clear. Very. It's going to be as clear as, <laughs> as we can make it. I, I'd like to first just make an introduction that when people, when people are doing behaviors that they don't want to do or that are uh, negative behaviors, mal maladaptive, dysfunctional behaviors, they're also struggling with themselves. We have to see that a person who struggles with anger and is getting angry constantly and yelling at people or a child who's bickering and bothering his sibling all the time, uh, besides for the fact that he's doing this behavior, he also is struggling with himself. Like, what's wrong with me that I'm having a panic attack? What's wrong with me that I'm constantly bothering my brother and I don't have a more effective way to get my message across? What's, what's, what's wrong with me that I'm constantly fighting with my spouse? So there's really two layers. There's the negative behavior that they're doing, and then there's the, the struggle that they're having with themselves. And that's what, really what drives people to therapy. But what if we took that second element away? What if we said to somebody, oh, you're having panic attacks and you hate yourself for having panic attacks, and that's making you struggle, hate yourself even more and isolate even more. So we say, let's we have a better idea. Forget about hating yourself for having the panic attack. Let's go out in public and plan the panic attack. We know exactly how it happens. We know exactly when it happens. We know exactly what symptoms come on. So what I want you to do is I want you to go out into public, into the same place, onto the bus when you go there, and I want you to have that panic attack. Bring it on as best as you can. So have your hands go into a cold sweat. Now what's happening is that you're actually, you're actually validating yourself. You're joining yourself rather than fighting yourself. You're embracing yourself. And you're saying, let's have the panic attack. And inevitably, if we if we prescribe that properly, the client goes out and they cannot, they come back and they say, okay, so how did it go? And they say, it didn't work out as well as it was supposed to. I tried to have the panic attack. It didn't really come on so strongly this time. And we say, look, you know, you got to, in order for us to, to be able to help you, you got to first be able to go on and really bring on that full-fledged panic attack. Now, as each time they're finally accepting themselves for having the panic attack, because they're trying to do it, 
right? So they're accepting themselves instead of fighting with themselves. They're they're releasing that neurotic pressure and tension that they're constantly living with. When I go and I tell a child, um, go, okay, you always fight with your brother. I know you're saying you do it just because you want to have more power over him. But the real truth is, you can't control yourself from fighting from fighting with him. This is the only way you know how to behave. So instead of, um, uh, you know, uh, acknowledging that, no, I'm doing this in order to be in control of him so that he'll always do what I want, let's acknowledge that you really can't control it. It's the only way you know how to communicate. And so since you're really good at that, let's plan it for this week. How often do you typically bother your brother over the course of a week? How many times a day? And then we'll plan for the child to do it. So now by handing it to him, by encouraging him to do it, he's able to take a step back. He gets into a little bit of confusion and he's like, wait a minute, I have to do this? Do I have to do this? And now suddenly when he's confronted with his some challenge that he's having with his brother, he has my voice or actually has Elliot Kaplan's voice in his head saying, okay, you got to go bother him because you know no other way of doing it. And that opens up his free choice to say, wait a minute, maybe there is another way. If we were to be telling him, stop, uh, let's come up with ways and strategies that you can, we're only causing him to be more and more frustrated because his knee-jerk reaction is to go into what he always does. But here we're actually putting him into a position where his knee-jerk reaction is going to be, wait a minute, Kaplan said, Norman said, we got to go and bother the brother more. But why should I do that? Why do I have to? Do I have to do that? Is that the only way? And we put them into this conflict where suddenly, because they're accepting of themselves, they feel more connected to themselves. They're able to back off and think of something new. They come back inevitably the next week and say, well, I didn't do it 10 times this week, but I did it five times. And we say, yeah, but you usually do it 10 times. You're really failing at this intervention. We got to we gotta make this intervention better. You know, we don't want you to lose your identity of a brother botherer, okay, a brother bickerer. So let's plan this better and get to it. And then the next week they come back and they say, ah, there's such a pain in the neck to have to bother him all the time. I, I only did it two times this week. I don't want to hear this. It's so stupid. I don't want to do it anymore. And before you know it, what's happening is Dr. Kaplan explains this all the time, that because he's making new choices, he's actually increasing his self-esteem. And while he increases his self-esteem, he need not bother his brother that much anymore. Boshi, is that more clear for you? I think we're getting it, but now we're going to have to break it down into various scenarios. So a lot of people are asking, will it work with this? Will it work with that? You know what I mean? Your, your explanation is very clear, Dr. Elliot. You know, sometimes yes. the almonds could, could give it over a little bit clearer for the simpletons. Don't, you know? Right. So he's, no, he's no, well, yeah, again, I, what I would say to you is, is you have to go through the confusion of this because, because again, you know, like, like you know, when you've been in psychology for so long, yeah, you know what to expect. Okay, yeah, you have to work on it hard. To, for me to say, oh, this is no, there's no effort. There's relatively little effort. I, I mean, the, the example I give, it's kind of like you go into a room and uh, you flick the light on, right? So the light, the light goes on, right? But, but really, it's like minimal effort. Yes, you're going to flick the, the switch, but it's, but it's not that you have to push the switch and get a wrench out to make the switch go. It's 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 really it's it's kind of as a natural flow that you you let go of the tension that that that's keeping you in a certain position. But what I'm but again but the, I'm just saying that the logical mind has to go through a certain confusion to kind of get to the other side of of what we're talking about here. Okay, let's go to another live question. Let's see. Hold on. When I'm mute. Wait one second. Yeah. 
Just one second. Unmute. Hello? Yeah, hi. Hi, yeah, how are you? I'm okay. What happens if your husband has a rage, uh, constant rage, and um, I'm trying to work different kind of things, uh, like uh, bringing something up back and saying, how about looking at it from this perspective? And then I give him A, B, and then he goes, you're making me angry. You're making me angry. I'm not making him doing anything. He's ra raging himself here. And at the same time, um, I've, you know, I was trying to be vulnerable with another scenario and I thought, oh, we're going to be vulnerable. We'll be able to open up. And now I said, I don't want to be vulnerable, you know? So I'm kind of getting detached from feeling from him. So I don't know how to handle this. And that's been running for a while. He has a temper. Right. What's um, how to so, handle? So... So one of the things I, I, you know, like, you know, very often I do, I, I present about paradox and, and very often people, uh, they'll listen and they go, ah, I'm going to try this on my husband. I'm going to try this on my kids. And what mm -hmm. I tell, what I tell them generally is no, 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 back up, back up. Because generally, you know, you, you, you know, your kid is like throwing his socks on the floor and you tell him not to throw his socks on the floor. And then finally you come to and say, oh, I just went to this Kaplan training. Uh, you know what? Uh, you know, throw your socks on the floor. Yeah, yeah, go ahead, throw your socks on the floor. Because because you're in the same system with that child, with that, with your family, mm -hmm. um, what ends up happening is the kid knows the kid knows you don't want the socks on the floor, right? But now, oh mommy said I can throw the socks on the floor. <laughs> now I'm gonna throw the socks on the floor. So what I'm saying is because the system is the same, in other words, nothing's changed within the system, then then the kid is just gonna throw his socks on the floor. So to, to try to what convince about the husband. So, the so husband? To, right. So to try to convince your husband to, for you to be the therapist for your husband is not gonna work. I okay? know. All right. <laughs> which 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 what I'm trying to say is that the advantage I have is that I'm on the outside. Mm -hmm. And because I'm on the outside, when I give homework, when I give an assignment, mm -hmm. it's like now my presence changes the system. I see. And because and because the system changes now, it can change. And I'll be quite honest; I think I'm pretty good at what I do. But okay. you know what? When I go home and I'm with my wife and and with with my kids, I've learned that I you know there are things that I want to say and there are things that I want to jump in. And I, I you know I know in my therapy this would really work, but because I realize I'm in the system, if mm -hmm. if I jump in and say, well, well, what about this? Oh yeah, you should just keep doing it. My wife's gonna say, "Yeah, yeah, you're doing therapy on me. Yeah, that's your call <laughs> therapy, <laughs> right? Because she knows what I do. She knows she knows my crazy therapy. So, so it doesn't work with her. That's what I'm saying. Because because, so because nothing's just gonna work. Since then. Otherwise, it's not gonna work. You need you need to have. I think the advantage is, is that you have to be as part of outside the system. But again, if I was to give you homework, if I was to give you homework mm. uh, from what you've presented so far, you know, I, you know, I'm taking a leap of faith here. Uh, but I would say the homework for you is to be your husband's therapist and to just see how he reacts. Because oh, he's not going to like it. Oh, okay. he no, 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 no. But, but blame it on me. Blame it on me. Tell him that, that you went to this uh, training and this crazy guy, Kaplan, said that, that you're supposed to be his therapist and that, you're to, that he told you to, to just keep telling him that he should be better. Yeah, he's, he's going be, to hate it. But at least, but at least on your end... You can kind of, if, if you can kind of step back 
and watch his reaction, okay? Then you kind of learn like his triggers and how th that there's a dance that goes between you because because he knows that you're going to try to change him and you and he knows he's not going to change. But now you right. but now you kind of observe the dance a little better. Now let me drop the motion. One second, one second, one second. Moshi, not specifically her, but how would that play out? I'm just trying to explain what would happen when she did that. So so um, it's hard for me to wrap my head around this particular intervention. But general, I'll, okay, general. I'll give you a, a similar similar. You know, if I were to have a couple in the room, if Jane was there with her husband, and what what inevitably what plays out in therapy sessions, usually not within the first, not necessarily within the first. A uh, few minutes of the session, everyone's on their best behavior, but inevitably uh, the husband's going to get triggered and he's going to start to yell at his wife in some form, get aggressive with mm -hmm. her, or yell at her in some form. And what I would do as the therapist is I would notice that and I, I would say, OK, it looks like, the you know, the way that you guys interact is when your wife says something <laughs> that upsets you or triggers you, um, you know, this is you, you cut her off or. Right, 100%. get aggressive in such and such way. Is that about right? Is that is that the typical? A hundred percent. You got it. A hundred percent. So so exactly. at that point, I, at that point, I would say, okay, well, well, now that we get how this relationship works, <laughs> uh, what I'm going to have you do is, anytime your wife says something that that you disagree with, or that upsets you or triggers you, I want you to make sure you know that you call her out on it and yell at her really loud. Because when mm. you do, then you'll make sure to set the stage, you know, you'll you'll set the record straight. So I want you to to yell at her each time. Now, mm -hmm. the absurdity here is that I'm I am pre prescribing to the husband to yell at his wife. That doesn't right. sound normal. Right. It's, it's no, I, I had that happen to me. It, I had a situation exactly like that, that he that happened. And what I did do is I said, I'll, I'll talk to you when you're calmer. And I went back to my car and just waited for him or waited yes, for that would be a good that would be that would be a, an appropriate intervention okay. for a wife for a wife who's who's uh, being aggressive by her husband. But in the therapy process, I would instruct him to now mm -hmm. yell at you each time you trigger him, and then uh, the next time the next time it happens, he might forget and do it again. And then I'll say I'll compliment him for it. I'll say you know you were spot on, and this was exactly what you were supposed to do. And I appreciate that you're following the instruction of the therapist and and uh, giving it to your wife over the head and setting the record straight. At that point, I've given him the permission to do so, which enables him now to take a step back and say, this is absurd. I shouldn't be yelling at my wife in the therapy room, especially in front of a stranger. And the next time she triggers him, he's going to be in some in somewhat of a, you know, he's going to have some chaos going on inside of him. The therapist is telling me to yell at her, but that's, that's ridiculous. And so he's going to begin to start exercising self-control and toning down his aggression towards his wife. Yeah, but he does yell at other people too. Sometimes it depends. That that would be how it would play. How it would right. play it out in the. Therapy. But can what do I do to him? Because I'm not gonna say it's therapy or whatever. I said that's so yell at me. Should I just go like him? Yell at me. Hit the record straight. Can I just say that for myself? Well, I I think I think that you have to be aware that that if your husband has a has a short fuse, mm -hmm. then. Uh, you know, you know, you know. Usually, when I, I'm assuming that when he gets angry, mm -hmm. uh, it's always a big surprise. Oh, I can't believe he got angry. Where, where did that come from? Why, why is he getting angry again? Right. The point. The point is, is that it, that's him. That he's got that. It's a surprise when he doesn't get angry. Right. A hundred percent. So what I would say to you mm -hmm. is that is that if you can figure out certain exit strategies, knowing that you know. By the way, sometimes people are on a time schedule. 
You know, they're kind of like the they're kind of like the uh, the train coming into the station. The nine. He's he, he's a perfect. He, he likes that exactly. He, he can't stand it. He hates to be late. No, so. no, 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 no. But no. But what I'm saying is, is, is that some people are so scheduled that even with their anger, it's like you know they get angry on Monday, Wednesdays, and Friday. <laughs> that I you can't know? schedule, but he wants to be on time. Well, but what I, I'm saying, but what I'm saying is, is that if you realize that he gets angry Mondays, Wednesdays, and Fridays, mm -hmm. then then that knowledge for yourself means that okay, I have to leave the house before he has an explosion because today is his day. <laughs> Right. So if you're aware of it, then you could what I'm saying is that you can react differently, that you can that you can respond differently. So I, I've been trying to at least not answer or I say, but I feel I don't feel good inside. Like I don't want to be vulnerable anymore. You know, like we had a, a moment of uh, two days or three days. And I said, I don't want to do I know I, I, I know this is going to come up occasionally now and right. I'm accepting it just for today. And that's doing that. So uh, I should. Mm -hmm. um, just like I, I today's reaction, it was like, okay, what can I say? And then I just went off and did my own thing, and that's it. So okay. I just, I just did something like that. And how does he react when you say, okay, I guess I'll just do my own thing? What, what's his reaction? Uh, no, I just keep quiet. I just lower the, you know, one time uh, I said to lower the, the, the value, but then he did. And I said, I'm here to hear you, no, let's go and I'll leave you alone. And then I keep quiet. That's what I try to do. I try to keep quiet while he was do raising right. the uh, radio. So I like right. him to do that, and then I just did my own thing. But I was using some other tools, like to do uh, stroking and um, this. Uh, I forgot, you know, disarming stuff. Mm -hmm. So I was trying to do that. Yeah. Okay. All right. At least I got some idea. I like I like my uh, idea to say, "Yay! Thank you. Come, come, come again. Give me more." Give me more, you know. Yeah. Maybe yeah, I could do but, that. But, the, 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 but if he if he finds that that's provoking him, he's going to give you more. I is know, he, I know, but I have to. A, I had to be able to handle it. Well, all right. I'm just saying that's why you need an outside person because if yes. I provoke him, then he has. Then he can only get angry at me. I, I, you know, in, in my therapy, I, I would not want to encourage him to get angry. I mean, I, I what I, I, I don't say get angry at your wife. What I say is, it seems to me that uh that your propensity is to get angry at your wife and uh you know i you know i'm not saying that you should get angry at your wife but it seems like every monday wednesday friday uh we can expect that this is what's going to happen so i'm not telling him that i want you to get angry i'm trying to raise his awareness in himself that he is not that he thinks his anger is spontaneous the reality is it's not spontaneous at all it's very scheduled okay Hopefully they work it out. Here's another question that somebody sent in. And let's see how paradox psychology will help them out. I have a very negative outlook on Hashem and my relationship is disconnected with him because of all the hardships that he has brought upon me. Is it okay if I don't want to daven? I don't want to talk to him. I guess they're very angry. What would be the right approach to heal these feelings of hurt towards Hashem? Mm -hmm. Um, I think that, you know, part of uh, davening is to be honest with Hashem and to say, you know, Hashem, I, I'm, uh, I'm disappointed in you, <laughs> uh, that, uh, I really, uh, was hoping that you would uh, be more present, that, that I would see the blessings, May, you know, ultimately, by the way, everything, Hashem, as we know, ultimately everything Hashem does is a blessing, is, a is, is ultimately good. And, 
from our uh, from our physical eyes, we often don't see that it's 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 good. Um, so we pray to Hashem, you know, that, that we should always see the good of what He's doing for us. But uh, but at the same time, you know, if you feel that you're suffering, if you feel that that you're that you're uh, you're hurting, um, you know, uh, I would say to to dive into Hashem and say, listen, you know, I, I you know, I, I really wish you would you would show me what's what's positive about what, what's going on here. But they they have no connection. They don't want you know. It's negative. So you're right. saying you're saying you know fight it out, discuss it. Okay. Well, the, well, you know, it, it, um, so the choice is, so, so you're saying, well, you don't want to die. Okay, so uh, if that's, if you think that's going to solve the problem, then don't die. You know, but, but what I'm saying is I, I think that ultimately, you know, uh, you know, you, you, we know that we can't, that, that, that human beings are certainly more infallible than Hashem. Um, I mean, I, I guess I would recommend maybe talk talk to uh, the, your uh, local Rav and say you're struggling, and let him know. You know, like you know, maybe he has a suggestion because I assume he knows you better uh, than what we're going to talk about in five minutes here. Elliot, can I kick in for a second on the on the person who's struggling with Hashem? Sure, sure. You said you said a really interesting point that they should lay it all out and um, tell Hashem that they're disappointed. Right, which which I'm sure raised some eyebrows from some people. Like, how can you tell Hashem you're disappointed in him? But I'd like I'd like to try to explain from paradoxical position how that helps. The person who's struggling with Yiddishkeit, he's struggling with Hashem. So again, he's having two issues here. Number one, he's disappointed. Hashem didn't give him what he wishes he could have, where Hashem uh, you know, dealt him a difficult set of cards. And that's that's one problem that he's having. The second problem that he's having is that he knows inside of himself that he can't be upset at Hashem because everything Hashem does is for the good. So he's really struggling with two paradoxical um, pieces here. Number one, I'm upset at Hashem. Number two, I'm not allowed to be upset. Okay. If you instruct somebody to go tell Hashem that he feels upset at him, right? you've removed the second conflict. You're saying, no, no, tell Hashem you're upset at him. Hashem, Hashem understands you. Hashem knows that you're human and that you're going to have feelings. He's the one who gave them to you. So go ahead and tell Hashem that you're upset at him. By doing that, you, you immediately remove the conflict that he's struggling with. He says, okay, now I can go speak to Hashem and sort of get it off my chest and tell him I'm upset. By doing that, he's less upset. He's less conflicted. He's less upset at Hashem because he's able to share that with Hashem, just like we would understand when somebody goes you know, to pay a shiva visit, Rahman al-Assad. There's nothing we could really say to make the person happy or to calm them down, right? But if we say to them, of course this is sad and it's disappointing, you lost a loved one. And that's the most difficult thing to experience. By doing so, they immediately develop a sense of calm and peace. They're still sad about what happened, but they're not conflicted about being sad. Yeah, yeah. And and by allowing yourself to say that you're disappointed, me as the therapist, or uh, I'm validating that that's, uh, you're having a human feeling. This is, uh, I can understand why you would be disappointed, you know, and you, you have a very difficult, uh, you know, uh, lifestyle or, or you have uh, very difficult things that you're going through. In other words, letting the person know that 
that they're not alone to a certain degree. The fact that 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 we're with them. Yes, and that's the same. That's the same. And when we prescribe uh, right. symptoms, when we tell somebody, "Okay, go bicker your brother," we're essentially telling them the experience that you're having, that's compelling you to bicker your sibling, is a normal, acceptable, real, personal experience. To the degree that we're saying, "Go do it. Go do it. You have to do it. Go do it." And that calms them down, brings a piece, a sense of calm and peace. Yeah. Dr. Kaplan, let me ask you, um, overall, asking, uh, telling the person to actually do it, sometimes, you know, telling them to do the wrong thing, does it ever backfire? They actually say, great, that's what I'm going to do. And they run with it and they actually do what you suggest. Right, right. Um. Well, the reality is, is that ultimately, you know, I, I try to make very clear to the person that that they have a habitual pattern, that this is their habitual pattern. The way that I frame it is, you know, in other words, I'm trying to challenge the client here. So I may say, listen, you, you know, you know, this is why, again, we've tried CBT, we've tried psychodynamic, we've tried behavioral, those, those uh, straight arrow type of interventions have not worked. So now I'm going to plan B. Plan B is, okay, so let's plan that you're going to do it, right? Now, by the way, you know, if, if, you know, if, if, I'm, if I'm working with a client who, uh, um, who, uh, is, who is doing something illegal, right? You know, if, if I say, oh, you, you know, like, uh, you know, robbing a bank, let's say, right? So, you know, there are, there are different ways that I kind of approach it, but but one way is to say, you know, listen, you know, like obviously, uh, you know, you've tried robbing banks before. You, you keep thinking about robbing. Me. I tell you what, my advice, my personal advice: go rob a bank. Go rob a bank. Now, when you get arrested, because you will, when you get arrested again, and the cops come to me because you've told them, Doctor Kaplan told you to rob the bank. I'm telling you here and now, I don't know anything about it. I have no idea what you're talking about. Now. What I'm doing here is I'm 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 connecting with the client. In other words, I'm I'm letting him know the reality of the situation. It's this is what you want to do. You know, I, I'm going along for the ride. But you know what? If you're going to tell the police that Dr. Kaplan told you to do it, you know what? <laughs> I don't know what you're talking about. I really have no idea. <laughs> let's okay. say let's say for example, he spends four hours watching till four o'clock in the morning whatever and then the next day he doesn't um he can't get up in the morning so you recommend you know continue watching and he actually does well uh so so, so sometimes what i ask myself is what's the benefit well why 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 you know so people do crazy behavior right and I ask myself, why would somebody do that crazy behavior? So let's say you're talking about somebody who stays up all night, can't get up in the morning, can't go to work. And, you know, as I talk to him about the situation, it turns out that his mother gets angry, he was supposed to go to work, and, and his boss is calling him up, and his boss is calling his, his mother up, and he didn't show up again. So for the client, what I, what I might say is, well, it seems to me that you need to get yelled at. Right, you need to get yelled at, and, and to tell you the truth, I think on a, as crazy as it sounds, I think you're doing your mother a favor, because my concern is that if you started to getting getting to work on time, then your mother would have nothing to complain about with you, right? 
And she would get very bored. Imam would get very bored. Now, I, I think my, my interpretation of this whole thing is I think you really do love your mother. And I think that part of loving your mother is to keep her busy. So in my mind, let's see, how can we keep your mom busy? Uh, let's see, uh, you know, uh, maybe uh, you'll come home late at night. No, nah, that's not good enough. Uh, maybe you'll, uh, you won't do well in school. No, nah, that's not good enough. I got it. I got it. Why don't you just stay up all night and not get to work the next day? That'll get her upset and you'll be doing her a favor. Now, again, from the client's perspective, this guy is crazy. This guy is nuts. You know, what is he talking about, right? But in the meantime, so, so again, so they do their old thing. They get up late. They miss work. And now mom is yelling, okay? And as mom is yelling at them, the, the hope is, is that I'm standing next to him and I'm going, yeah, good job. You got mom to yell. Excellent, right? So, so you're keeping mom busy. So I'm trying to challenge him that if you get up on time, if you go to sleep a little earlier, then maybe, maybe, maybe you'll get to work. And now mom, mom can't be, if mom is bored, mom is going to have to figure out on her own what to do, right? So, I mean, it's, 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 it's sometimes, sometimes the interventions are a little complicated, but, but uh, they're, they're, they're usually interesting. Gotcha. <laughs> Exactly. I want to ask you one question. I want to just text me. It's actually a good question. Is there any tools people are listening tonight can use from this mythology besides going to therapy? Is there any way you could do this or anything part of this that you could take from tonight's program that somebody could help them? I'm not saying take it all the way and obviously, you know, whatever, but is there something they could take from tonight that you could leave? Before, we're going to go to closing, but I'm just before the closing that like, are, are we, can we take away from tonight like, if you have a difficulty with a certain thing, give yourself the permission to do that, even though you knew, you know that you need to work on it. Is that is that a fair statement? What could somebody take away tonight without going to you for the actual therapy? Right, right. Um, you know, part of the therapy is is to get the person to kind of take a step back. I, I think Moshe Norman talked a little bit about this, where, where if you can observe yourself, in other words, sometimes... Um, what I'll do, even for myself, is like I'll, I'll challenge myself to do something, and then I and then I want to watch the reaction of that other person. Um, you know, uh, it's interesting. So, so uh, you know, I don't know. It's a budding therapist. I remember uh, uh, as a kid, I, I I would get into arguments with my father, and uh, we'd go back and forth and back and forth. And just when I was just about to make my point, I was just about to get him, just about to make my point. My father would go, okay, you got all the answers. You got all the answers. I don't want to talk about it anymore. And I, I, I would walk away and I'm like, but, but I just, I, I wanted to make my point. I, I was just about to, right? But this happened once, this happened twice, this happened three times. And finally, I, I recognized the pattern. I recognized the pattern. So I said, you know what? I have to, I have to do something that will disrupt the pattern, that will do something to shift the pattern. So the next time we got into this back and forth argument, you know, like we're going back and forth and back and forth. And just when I figured he was just about to say that I had all the answers, I turned the tables and I said to my father, I said, you know what? You have all the answers. <laughs> you know, you're always going to do it the way you want. You have all the answers. I'm not going to be, I'm not arguing anymore. And, the, and my father had this surprised look on his face, like, what? <laughs> you know? 
So, so I guess what I'm saying is, is that if people can, can take a step back and watch the pattern that happens again and again and again between you and your spouse or you, you and your kids, and to realize that as long as you're involved in the same pattern, as much as you want your kids to change, as much as you want your husband to change, uh, the reality is, is that they're happy usually with, with you, the person, as long as you're, as long as you're picking up the slack, as long as you're going to, to uh, give in, uh, why should he change? There's no reason for him to change. Now that doesn't mean to, to go, oh, now I'm going to do what I want. It means that, okay, you know, like, you know, he wants to go bowling. I want to go for a walk. You know what? You, you tell your husband, listen, you know, I'm going to go out for a 10 minute walk. I'll be right back. Uh, you know, but that's, that's what I'm going to do right now. So it's not that you're it's not that you're doing out of out of revenge or out of um, uh, spitefulness. You're doing it because it's something different. You're going to have a different response, and then you come back and you and you want to see: is your husband talking to you nicer? Is he uh, like how is he reacting? You know, just to to see how that other person reacts when you do something different. Okay, amazing. Okay, Dr. Elliot, let's go to the closing now. Um, first, Dr. Elliot Kaplan for coming on tonight, giving us a deep physic and really understanding on this twisted paradox therapy <laughs> concept. Um, I'm definitely confused, but I think I got some clarity after being very honest with you. Um, I'm going to give you my in my closing what I think. Yeah, <laughs> yeah that's the book, Elliot Kaplan, Paradox Psychology. You can buy it on Amazon. Right. And it's not what it. you think. That's the name of the book. It's Paradox Psychology, not what you think on Amazon. Uh, and... Uh, I'm sure when people return it, they're right. Not as I thought it was. <laughs> <laughs> and um, thank you again for coming on. Again, anybody's here the first time, every Sunday night at 9.30, we have a different show, different topic. We spread the word of next week, January 7th, 2024. We're on the last moments of 2023. Um, next week, we're going to have an amazing show with Rabbi Daniel Glatzin, who's a tremendous, brilliant Tamil Chacham. He speaks on so many topics with such deep insight. And the topic is going to be on Rabbi Balanes, the big, the famous Holy Tana. And his message is going to give over through the words of Rabbi Balanes, Hashem's infinite love for the Jewish people in today's day and age. It should be a very powerful topic, especially in what's going on today in the world. Please join us, let people know, and be part of it. Um, tonight's share, everything's recorded. I'm sure it'll be on If anybody has any questions, please email coachmanachem.com. Yeah. Just let me say that my, my website is... One second, uh, one second, one second. One second, okay. Okay. Here tonight's program on the phone is Shira 169, and you can listen to all the programs over there. The number is 848-777-GROW. That's 848-774-769. You can listen, obviously, to all Coach Menachem's podcasts on YouTube, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and like a million other podcast things. Just search Coach Menachem Bergfeld. And thank you to all the advertising sponsors of Liquid Scoop, Elinario of Five Town Central, and Kyle Kaufman from Shmuel Summer and Shmuel, uh, from JCN, the Jewish Content Network, for always promoting us on all the, the digital platforms. So I'm going to say a closing. Menachem's going to say a closing. And Dr. Elliot, you'll give them, people want to know how they get a hold of you, how they can email you, where you exist. If you live in America, you know what I mean? <laughs> or you live in a paradox, paradox universe. Paradox universe, yeah. Right. So if there's a way to contact Mars, you know, maybe they can <laughs> get the book of the starship. But my 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 closing is that I think that what I'm taking out of tonight, everybody could take it how they want because some people are confused. That means the sheer was a su success. Yes. Smash success. <laughs> what I'm taking out of tonight, and this is my takeaway, is that at the end of the day, there is some commonality, but you're saying with a lot of different therapy points, but there's something very unique about it. I find that when you validate our behaviors instead of suppressing them, that gives us the freedom of free choice 
to try to really work on them versus you must do, you must do, you must do. Because some people do react well with you must do and they, they go through the steps. But like you said, they could do that and then they crash. And I've seen that many times in therapeutic sessions where people work together for a very long period of time and then things start backfiring. It's like the whole thing falls apart. Um, I was once saw a, a, a therapy session for, for a long time with a, a client and a therapist. And the person did like something like they were working on for like over two years. And like they couldn't like they, they couldn't continue where they left off, whatever it was. I don't remember the specific topic, but mm -hmm. he had such regression and there was no way to rebuild that connection. And it, like he almost like the therapist almost gave up on him. It was like, mm -hmm. how could you do this? We've been working on this for such a long time. You're doing so well. And then you went back. You know, I'm sure you see this with alcoholics and all these other things. You know, it's a similar type of pattern. So I think the first thing that I'm seeing from tonight is just the, the permission, like Coach Menachem always says, to feel and to realize Another thing that you're saying, which we've said many, many times, but I just want to reiterate that is we have to always revisit our own behaviors and patterns, because as they always say, when you do the same thing and you get the same results, you know what I mean? You're not getting anywhere. So if you're going to continue screaming at your kids, your kids are going to continue screaming at you, and you continue going to your parent, and you, you, nothing is going to change. And we all know, one thing we learned from Coach Menachem after 169 shiurim in four years, the only thing that's going to change is you. Nobody else is going to change. We're all on the same page with that. And anybody who's not, go listen to a different podcast because this podcast <laughs> is about getting the help because nobody really changes for anybody that we know very clearly. But the one thing that was interesting, it's a little bit different takeaway at the end of the day is that when a person gets the permission, especially from a therapist, that it's okay and plan it out and sort of be okay with it, that that will give them the boost and I, I know with anxiety specifically, even myself, like when you know that you're going to have an anxiety and you play it out and you know that it's okay to have it, I think paradox, you know, therapy, this concept with, with anxiety would be a home run because sometimes people are in a situation where they have to deal with anxiety and they try to run from it at all costs, but ultimately there's certain situations you can't run from it, right? If somebody has a problem going to their children's uh, PTA or uh, a wedding, at the end of the day, you have to go to a wedding, so you have to deal with it. But when you give yourself the permission, this is what I'm going to feel, this is what's going to happen, and you play the worst case scenario game, or however you play it, but you're okay with it, you you could heal from that probably quicker than versus trying to say, okay, when you go there, you're gonna tell yourself this, this, and this, and you're gonna write it down on a notes, and you're gonna cause anxiety is the pre, you know, the biggest anxiety is the pre-anxiety. So I think that's that's very informative. And it it sounds the reason why people are having a hard time with this because we're we're very used to problem solution. You understand? We're very used to A equals B. Over here, what we're what what I what I'm taking away, and I could be completely wrong, Menachem, tell me if I'm wrong, is that over here we're saying A equals A. It's not there's no there's no there's no other answer. Continue, but what that's ending up having, what people are missing the, the 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 little twist over here, is that when you're actually giving the permission and you're giving the person understanding that this is your behavior, this is what you're doing, they're gonna ultimately realize that they could overcome it and become better. Because usually when people are fighting or they're having marital issues is because they're trying to prove their point that they're right and they're to this and they're trying to prove prove their position so the battle is always a theoretical and they're going to prove their point to the death over here when you're giving the person permission you're not saying dr Kappa, you're not saying the person's right and you're not saying that's the right way to be but you're giving them the permission to continue with his thing there's something internally inside of whether it's the neshama or the person wants to do the right thing or it's your soul that talks to yourself and say okay i know this is something i could do just like i know i could smoke drugs just like i know i could you know abuse my spouse i know i could do it and my therapist is saying okay this is your personality continue being you know the person you are that's sort of i don't know if it's a it's a spiritual thing or it's a self internal thing but it's helping the person self-soothe and heal and giving him actually the other choice to say 
I don't want to do that anymore. I want to I want to try a different method. And I think that's what we're getting out of tonight. And people are having a hard time with that because they're not used to A equals A. They're used to A equals B. So that's my takeaway. And I think how I can apply it to myself is that when I deal with my own issues or my own things, is that I can give myself permission to understand that's where my struggles are. And it's normal for my struggles. And hopefully within time, and I want the chain cycle, whatever that struggle is, to change, that I make my micro steps to change it, that it will help eventually get out of that terrible habit of mm -hmm. doing the same repetitive thing over and over and over again and getting the same results. So I think that's that's my personal takeaway. And if I got the whole shit wrong, that's fine. Because anyway, next year's a new year. <laughs> In 20 minutes is a new year. Right. So, you, you give me your calls. And then Dr. Elliot, listen, let's remember, we're giving you the time. We need contact information, number one, write it down. How to get a hold of you. And number three, we want to take away that every person that listens to this program will be able to infuse in their personal lives, whether they go to your therapy, whether or not, what they could do to take from tonight and to really help themselves accept themselves and get better and change and have a real meaningful impact on them. Okay, Coach Menachem. Amazing. Thanks so much. Thank you, Dr. Kaplan. Um, all I want to add is, <clears throat> like we started in the beginning, like what you mentioned, that if people are confused, where it's successful. Now, some people think it's a joke. Again, we're dealing with the brain, and there, it's it's beyond for us to understand really how it works. You know, therapy, we're trying different modalities. And tonight, we heard another one, and this is actually something that Dr. Kepler mentions, that you can actually see people change in front of you. It means with one, two, or three sessions. So there's something there. And even if you didn't understand it fully, there, you know, it's the beginning of something. And um, again, the brain is is much bigger, much more than what we think. And, and it probably takes you to a place where you're not used to it, you know, like we heard. And that's that's how it slowly helps a human like me, to think different, see different, and eventually make changes. But it sounds like it's an amazing modality. And if it works, yeah. it works. And it's beautiful. So yeah. for those who need it, and for those who feel they were in therapy for so long and not moved, here you go. Take the, the doctor's number. And the Mitzvah, you know, everybody should be able to move, change whatever it needs. Sometimes it's something that we don't understand and we see the change. Okay, Dr. Elliot, let's go. Contact information, so, I'll get a hold of you, how people email you, how people harass you, your yeah, home yeah. social security <laughs> number, and then the closing that people could really take away, that could really get help. People are really texting me that they're finally getting the general concepts and they feel that it's a fantastic different twist and they don't know what to do with it, but they hear the, the, the right, as, right, as right. you said, the brain is a little bit expanding. Right, Some right, right. Right. And and that was really my my intent is, is if you're walking away from this thinking oh I got uh, this, contact I, information contact I, information yeah I'm contact information I'm getting, I'm getting I give you permission <laughs> not to listen to me <laughs> contact information okay um, you can check my website is uh, paradoxpsychology.com um, my email is paradoxdoc paradoxdoc at gmail. Uh, my phone number and text number is 917-345-5750. And um, I guess in uh, closing, I would just, uh, um, you, you know, 
I think with, with other therapies, therapies are usually about something, you know, it's about somatic, it's about uh, cognitive, it's about behavior, it's about something. And I think one of the, one of the difficult parts of, of and, and I, I think what I like about paradox is I myself, am, I'm always learning about it because uh, it's a therapy about nothing. You know, if you think about it, what did I do? Well, what did I get? What intervention did I well, say? Well, the Seinfeld therapy. It's Seinfeld, exactly. It's a it's a therapy about nothing, <laughs> right? So the only thing that I've done is I give people permission, and in giving people permission, it's like I join them, and my intent, and this is my my entire intent of of the therapy that I do is so that I, when that person walks out, that they're not walking out alone, that they feel that they're with somebody. And that when that repetitive situation comes up, that there's, uh, whether it's conscious or unconscious, by the way, there's a part of them that feels, wow, you know, like I, I've been here before and, and I, I know what's going on and, and uh, I'm going to react differently this time. So, um, so um, I, I, I think that that's what's exciting about paradox and it's a very here and now method and uh, um, uh, I guess to just leave people with the, with the understanding that while most therapy talks about the finite part of the person, the body, the, the thinking, uh, the emotions, uh, paradox is really geared toward the, that infinite part of the person, which, which is more re related to attachment and bonding, which is kind of, I mean, because you can attach to an infinite amount of people. And uh, it's just an incredible approach. Okay, thank you, Dr. Kaplan. Thank you everybody for joining. I hope everybody listens to this a few times and does more research. It was a beautiful program. Dr. Kaplan, I hope you, uh, we didn't do such difficult surgery on you, but this is what we do. We try to <laughs> hope you're you okay. You should have told me ahead of time. <laughs> no, that's the point. I'm giving you permission to feel. Yeah. Well, I, I, I enjoyed presenting and I, I hope that people got something from it. Thank you very much. Yeah, thank you very much. And everybody should have a wonderful holiday weekend. And hopefully we'll see you next week with uh, Rabbi Daniel Gladstein, same time, same place. And everybody have a great night. Thank you very much for joining.